0: Okay, we're getting back to the weekend show. That was just live. The live just chat just ended. It might still be live, if that matters to you. Makes the news ever fresher. I noticed that the weekend show gets a pretty good response from y'all. use me, use me. I think it was kind of over. The numbers aren't. Donald Trump claimed the crowd during his appearance at the Iowa State Fair was a record, and the largest crowd they ever had. He lied, it wasn't even close. Trump lies again about his crowd size. Typically, average about 110,000 people per day, with slightly more on weekends. At 1 o'clock yesterday, he immediately proclaimed there's a record crowd. I saw many hours ago and attendance figures aren't released until the following after he only stayed 45 minutes. We have a record that was set of the largest crowd they've ever had as a record crowd. And not have anything close, of course. And it was all because of him. Oh my God. Complete fabrication. When um, Attendance figures were released for the day. The total attendance was 118,000. It pretty much average for a Saturday. The record attendance for Saturday is 127,000 in 1991. Last year on the same day they had 113,000 without any presidential candidates. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He also used a Secret Service detail to manipulate the photos and videos. They blocked the entrance to the fair for 30 minutes which course so a huge bottleneck Of people trying to get in. Trump then jumped out of his car and his campaign said that all the people were waiting there just for Trump. In fact, they were stuck outside by his motorcade and couldn't get in. Uh, Secret Service block entrance to the fairgrounds. Okay. Trump secret service. Whoa! Attendance was one hundred and eighteen K that day. Trump Secret Service block crowded Iowa State Fair to give appearance of larger crowd. Attendance was one hundred and eighteen K, which is average. And that largest crowd, motherfucker. So yeah, it's, it's great that they
1: <laughs>
0: to to big lie. Big lie for him. Fuckin' DOJ disqualify, fuckers. Disqualify. Hmm, there they are. Shit, I'm getting eaten by mosquitoes. And I wonder they would get back. Okay, um, y'all still there? Oh my gosh, you are. Wow. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University. A very stoner. Isn't she lovely? Midas touch. Weekend can add bed, Trump is always near Walt. Now that he won't let him out of his sight. <laughs> But yeah, they're not allowed to talk about the
2: case. But they're not supposed to be talking to each other about the case. in his house for weeks
1: lock him up
0: Fucking a! I swear! Fucking bunch of pussies in this country. Marjorie Tr- Trader Green, perjury. Trader Green staff in big trouble after crimes revealed. Crimes revealed. I, I
3: was just in the area and I misconduct. saw
4: that you don't have solar panels. So for like misconduct.
3: dollars. A seriously disturbing story, even one involving Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh. My name is Dina Side Doll for the Midas Touch Network. Let's break this down. The Ohio Attorney General has issued a statement saying that the 2020 campaign manager for Marjorie Taylor Greene fundraised for a phony charity, essentially. If you remember the East Palestine train derailment back in February, where people were, you know, trying to raise money to help the victims, he was fundraising for a phony charity, the money was supposed to be going to a food bank, instead it went into the pocket of him and others, allegedly as we say, the attorney general has issued a statement. The attorney general is a Republican, so talk about hypocrisy and a new low here from Argy Taylor Green. This was the campaign manager that did the heavy lifting that initially got her elected to Congress. And as we know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. If he was willing to be this corrupt when he's dealing with victims of a tragedy, you wonder what other corruption he. Had. Had and perhaps this will become uh, more investigation into him and his practices and will it implicate her anymore? We don't know. But let's break down what's happened with him. And and also let's talk about how Mojitello Green talked about that event at the time East Palestine. If you remember, she was accusing the um, Biden administration of not doing enough for East Palestine. And her, her tweets, ironically, let's hear what she says, the hypocrisy here, says, they give money to Silicon Valley, they give money to Ukraine, but no money for East Palestine. And this is here, her very close associate, raising money, again, for a funny charity. Evidently, they raised almost $150,000. The food bank only received $10,000. Literally stealing from victims who were displaced, who were suffering as a result of the toxic spill and the evacuations of this derailment. It was a major catastrophe. But this is what she is tweeting. And, and as we know, there's always a disconnect, right, between what is actually happening and what she is alluding to, so this is yet another example. And then her complaining, again, Biden didn't go to East Palestine, Ohio on President's Day. He went to Ukraine, a non-NATO nation whose leader is an actor and is apparently now commanding our United States military to world war. We must impeach this America last fool before it's too late. Where is your vitriol? Where are these kind of statements regarding your campaign manager who stole from victims, literally stole from a food bank? Uh, People who donated that money were really trying to help Uh, It seems like there's crickets. Uh, She had a lot to say, you know, about Biden. And here's the thing, too, is her own kind of immorality around this, that she took this kind of national, really tragic event and made it political... Only because the residents there had overwhelmingly voted for Trump, because we see right now what 's happening in Maui and the really the horror the, the the destruction of a town and and one of the now the deadliest wildfire ever in the country, and you don 't hear. It's from her now, right? You don't hear Margaret Taylor Green asking what's happening with the Biden administration. Does she not care? Because the Democrats, somebody who makes human tragedy political, should never be in public service, because human tragedy should just be that and not an opportunity to gain points. There's a reason why Biden is not flying over to Maui right now, just like he didn't fly over to East Palestine when that happened, because they don't want him there. It is too difficult. They want him to send FEMA, which he does, and he did, but they don't want him. And she knows that. Um, You know, I know that. You know that. She certainly knows that being in Congress, so to take advantage and to use that as a political weapon is just um, with another row of immorality, people's suffering shouldn't be political, too. So let's read um, a little bit. Uh, this statement is just brutal. The Attorney General, this, again, this Republican Attorney General, um, calling out her campaign manager and the people that she works with and how they literally stole from the people of. east palestine so you know he says that the investigation found that the phony charity had been soliciting monetary donations for bottled water for east palestine residents via text messages following the February 3 train derailment, and that it had collected more than one hundred thirty one thousand dollars from donors nationwide, people out of their hearts digging into their wallets, during these economic uncertain times, still willing to donate because they're trying to help people. And this is who her campaign manager and his associates took advantage of. Not just the victims, there, but also the donors who were trying the best they could. It was only after the food bank complained did Peppel agree, this is one of his associates, agreed to pay the $10,000 to the food bank, a fraction of what had been collected. So he said that there's a a, a settlement with the quote charity because this is a fake charity as we say and one of its board members Patrick Lee that settlement required the fake charity which is OCWF standing for Ohio Clean Water Fund to dissolve and to pay $116,904.88 in restitution to the food bank and a 50,000 dollars civil penalty. Since that settlement the court-mandated review of OCWF's bank records, invoices, payment records, and other financial documents show that the Foley charity and its fundraiser had actually raised nearly $149,000 and that OCWF used Walmart strategies as its main Fundraiser. So under today's settlement with Pepe and Wama, again, the Isaiah Wortman is associated with Wama. He was the fundraiser, one of the fundraisers for this charity. Uh, so under today's settlement with Pepe and Wama. This is according to the um, statement released by the attorney general. Pepl must pay a twenty-five thousand civil penalty and is permanently banned from incorporating, operating, or soliciting for any charity in Ohio. Wama and its owners, Isaiah Wortman, that's the campaign manager, and Luke Mahoney, his associate, must pay twenty-two thousand dollars, seventy-seven dollars, forty-eight cents in restitution to Second Harvest. That's the food bank that they claim they were raising money for, allowing the attorney general to dis- Distribute to the food bank 100% of the donations raised in its name. Mm -hmm. It seems like it should just be obvious. WAMA and its owners must also pay $3,000 in investigative costs and fees to the Ohio Attorney General's Office. And WAMA is prohibited for four years from soliciting for a charity in Ohio. And Mahoney is prohibited for four years from incorporating, operating, or soliciting for a charity in Ohio. So these are, this is a very stringent, very serious uh, s- settlement at this point. Um, it's not just an accusation, it's an agreement, um, it's a settlement. There's a Um, both sides are basically agreeing that, yes, this this happened and this is how we're going to resolve this issue. So, you know, again, where is Marjorie Taylor Greene and her outcry of her campaign manager? I'm sure she's close with him. Again, he was the one who initially got her elected to Congress and who's so corrupt, he's willing to steal from victims, and actually really from Trump supporters, her own supporters. He is stealing from his own supporters on so many levels, uh, morally, ethical, and obviously,
5: illegally wrong. Hey Midas Mighty, this Report. Continue the conversation by following us on
6: Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
7: This is a camera lucida, and for the whole of the nineteenth century it was the indispensable drawing
6: aid for great masters and technical illustrators alike. And yet it's virtually unknown today. The camera lucida allows
8: you to trace
9: what you well, see. She's Technically, the hopefully, that image will of be your my subject tweet.
8: onto your paper. So you can see both your hand and your
2: subject at the uh, same time. Share I right, well, she's fucked, hopefully. Why don't they expel her? Pocketed the Call fucking Congress,
0: idiots. (laughs) Congress. Okay, I'm going to go outside and do some more stuff before it can start. She don't need no Instagram. Perjury Trader Green set up a fake charity just like George
2: Santos Hashtag MTG
0: Select all copy posts <clears throat> Newsfeeds, oh shit, I'm on Reiki Southwest, it's just called, I don't want to, I need to get out of there, Reiki Southwest, I uploaded a bunch of cute videos, by the way, just to Press, or should I do, um, still real, Gallery.
2: I'm going to do a quick video. Hi hey there, I'm for
10: praise. I have a very important message for the Justice Department. It's a list of demands. Like President Michael said, power concedes nothing without demands. So let's move demands. Here's our list of demands. Attention, Jack Smith, Capital Siege section. We demand an anti-preferential inter- treatment of Mr. Trump, a heinous criminal of the epic PROPORTION We demand Trump's immediate incarceration. Take away his social media. And take away his passport. He's a flight risk as well as a menace OF society. We demand additional charges of treason and terrorism and charge the rest of the insurrectionist Republicans still in Congress, and remove them and disqualify them all. Now, it's been two and a half years. You should have arrested him January 21st. I'm Christopher President. I approve of this message. Have a blessed day, y'all. And by the way, Jack Smith, when you finish this little to-do list, you get a sandwich. Any sandwich of your choice, darling. (laughs) Beware and trust it for praise. I have a very important message for the Justice Department. It's a list of demands. Like Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without demands. So let's make demands! Here's our list of demands. Attention!
0: Add from Gallery. to get my um, shots oh my god that's pretty good
2: just uh,
0: for press shop of prison I need to um get some dirts and a box find a find a nice box for my chickies and uh Camellias, have you, ever, have you guys ever seen camellias
3: or smelled camellias? Result of the toxic spill and the evacuations of this derailment, it was a major catastrophe. But this is what she is tweeting, and, and as we know there's always a disconnect, right, between what is actually happening and what she is alluding to, so this is a yet another example. And then her complaining, again, Biden didn't go to East Palestine, Ohio, on President's Day. He went to Ukraine, a non-NATO nation whose leader is an actor and is apparently now commanding our United States military to world war. We must impeach this America last fool before it's too late. Where is your vitriol? Where are these kind of statements regarding your campaign manager who stole from victims, literally stole from a food bank. Uh, people who donated that money were really trying to help. Uh, it seems like there's crickets. Uh, she had a lot to say you know, about Biden. And here's the thing, too, is her own kind of immorality around this, that she took this kind of national, really tragic event and made it political- only because the residents there had overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Because we see right now what's happening in Maui and the really the horror, the, the the destruction of a town and and one of the now the deadliest wildfire ever in the country. And you don't hear it from her now, right? You don't hear Marjorie Taylor Greene asking what's happening with the Biden administration. Does she not care? Because the Democrats, somebody who makes human. Tragedy, political should never be in public service because human tragedy should just be that and not an opportunity to gain points. There's a reason why Biden is not flying over to Mali right now, just like he didn't fly over to East Palestine when that happened, because they don't want him there. It is too difficult. They want him to send FEMA, which he does, and he did, but he, they don't want him, and she knows that. Um, You know, I know that. You know that. She certainly knows that being in Congress. So to take advantage and to use that as a political weapon is just... With um, like another row of immorality, people's suffering shouldn't be political twos. So let's read um, a little bit. I mean, this statement is just brutal. The Attorney General, this, again, this Republican Attorney General, um, calling out her campaign manager and the people that she works with and how they literally stole from the people of of East Palestine. So you know, he says that the investigation found that the phony charity had been soliciting monetary donations for bottled water for East Palestine residents via text messages following the February 3 train derailment, and that it had collected more than $141,000 from Donors Nationwide, people out of their hearts digging into their wallets, during these economic uncertain times, still willing to donate because they're trying to help people. And this is who her campaign manager and his associates took advantage of. Not just the victims there, but also the donors who were trying the best they could. And it was only after the food bank complained that Pepple agreed, this is one of his associates, agreed to pay the $10,000 to the food bank a fraction of what had been collected. So he said that there's a a settlement with the quote charity because this is a fake charity as we say and one of its board members Patrick Lee that settlement required the fake charity which is OCWF standing for Ohio Clean Water Fund to dissolve and to pay $116,904.88 in restitution to the food bank and a $15,000 civil penalty. Since that settlement the court-mandated review of OCWF's bank records, invoices, payment records, and other financial documents show that the phony charity and its fundraiser had actually raised nearly $149,000 and that OCWF used Wama strategies as its main fundraiser. So under today's settlement with Pepple and WAMA, again, the Isaiah Wartman is associated with WAMA. He was the fundraiser, one of the fundraisers for this charity. Uh, so, under today's settlement with Pepple and Blama. This is according to the um, statement released by the Attorney General. Pepple must pay a $25,000 civil penalty and is permanently banned from incorporating, operating, or soliciting for any charity in Ohio. WAMA and its owners, Isaiah Wortman, that's the campaign manager, and Luke Mahoney, his associate, must pay $22,000, $77.48 in restitution to Second Harvest, that's the food bank that they claimed they were raising money for, allowing the Attorney General to distribute to the food bank 100% of the donations raised in its name. Seems like it should just be obvious. WAMA and its owners must also pay three thousand dollars in investigative costs and fees to the Ohio Attorney General's Office. And Walmart is prohibited for four years from soliciting for a charity in Ohio. And Mahoney is prohibited for four years from incorporating, operating, or soliciting for a charity in Ohio. So these are this is a very stringent, very serious uh, s- a settlement at this point. Um, it's not just an accusation; it's an agreement. Um, it's a settlement. There's a, um, a both sides are basically agreeing that yes, this, this happened, and this is how we're going to resolve this issue. So, you know, again, where is Marjorie Taylor Greene and her outcry of her campaign manager? I'm sure she's close with him. Again, he was the one who initially got her elected to Congress, and who's so corrupt. He's willing to steal from victims and actually really from Trump supporters, her own supporters. He is stealing from his own supporters on so many levels, uh, morally, ethical, and obviously illegally wrong. Hey, Midas Marty, this Report, we continue the conversation it's by following us on Instagram.
2: Christopher Press,
0: Trump for prison. Oops. It said big charities. I said fake charities. A Republican thing you wouldn't understand. LOL. Emoji. Fake charities. Fake. Suspend the Republican Party. Okay, let's go to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see what else is going on. Sent me something. CRS. Yeah. Comment edited. Okay, so yeah. It said fake charities are a Republican thing. You wouldn't understand. Suspend the Republican Party. Just express Trump's prison. Suspend a veteran's group destroys top Republican with powerful new, some new
11: ad six minutes Chewy ago. is
12: America's number one pet pharmacy. We contact your vet, pet get pharmacy. your prescription approved, and deliver it to your door.
11: Pharmacy. Hi, guys. Fred Wellman with Minus Touch Network, host of Bond amongst F.P. Wellman. I told you we keep you up to date on the latest lunacy with Tommy Tuberville and his ridiculous an ongoing hold on military senior promotions that is now stretched into over six months and is now to, is actually holding up promotion of the leaders of both the Marine Corps and the Army and an absolute ton of key positions. Let me give you an example. Right now, the U.S. Navy is talking about possibly arming or escorting ships in the Persian Gulf. And the commander of that <laughs> fleet, the one who should be making these decisions, has not been Senate confirmed because of Tommy Tuberville. So we literally have a national security crisis that is ongoing with only an acting commander, all because one senator doesn't like a travel policy. Here's a great update on where things stand right up, and the growing in frustration with Tuberville anyway. from The Hill.
13: Alabama Republicans, get rid of Tommy Tuberville, wage his war against the Pentagon over its abortion policy. Now, President Joe Biden is firing back. A growing cascade of damage and disruption.
2: D.O.J. crim.
0: Unindicted.
2: Freaking do your job.
0: Do your job, or you fire. I'll fucking fire you. part I'm gonna fire a bunch of people. Merrick Garland.
2: All GOP traitors. <laughs>
0: hey, Justice Department 202 514 2000. Get rid of Tommy. To reveal, he's unindicted insurrectionist anyway. So please do your job. Indict, arrest, remove, disqualify. Rinse repeats 160 times. All GOP traders must go. When I'm pressed, we fire my garland. Fucking okay, fired. <laughs> Put in Michael Cohen, put in Michael Cohen, Hey, Justice Department, get rid of Tommy Tuberville. He's unindicted insurrectionist. Anyway, DOJ can do so please do your job. Indict your job. That's your fucking job. Indict, arrest, remove, disqualify, wince, repeat. 160 times. All GOP traders must go. When I'm pressed, we fire Merrick Harlan's. Put in. please do your job or you're fired when I'm press we fire Merrick Garland put in Michael Cohen <laughs> crack up emoji Michael Cohen and tag in. miss me Do you miss me in Miami? That'd be a nice song. (laughs) P.S. Do you... press the fire Merrick garden put in Michael Cohen. <laughs> Do you? <whistles> okay, I gotta put some chickies. That's going on? What? I don't have to be a star, baby, to be my girl.
13: Policy. Now, President...
0: Oh my gosh, you are KMP student Radio with the University of Arizona. And keep your take, pass your Travel you, travel you,
1: travel in you,
0: travel you. On the roads with Chester travel in you, travel
14: you. Policy.
13: Now, President Joe Biden is firing back.
15: A growing cascade of damage and disruption, all because one senator from Alabama and 48 Republicans refused to stand up
1: to him.
13: Tuberville is using a Senate rule to block military promotions that require Senate approval. He says he objects to the Pentagon's policy of providing time off and travel expenses for service members and their dependents seeking legal abortions.
16: I do not want our military uh, to into a woke political military.
13: The Pentagon says Tuberville's one man blockade could impact 650 confirmations by the end of the year, with a ripple effect on thousands of troops and their families. Military
17: families already sacrificed so much, unsure of where or when they change stations, unable to get housing, to start their kids in a new school. I'm not gonna change my mind.
13: Tuberville refuses to back down, Lawmakers have now left Washington until September. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says Tuberville's fellow Republicans need to end
2: this.
12: Now I think in August...
0: chicken shit. Chicken shit. Huh. Chicken. <laughs> shit. Okay, I'm running right, I'm right to the... <laughs> I like how, um, like I'm married to the DOJ.
2: I'm married to the DOJ. Just let me take Merrick Garland's place for like five minutes. (laughs) Replace Merrick Garland just for five minutes.
0: into, come on kitty man, you're too zealous. Okay.
2: Um, put me into. Five minutes, Just give me five minutes. And round Yeehaw exclamation points like doggy. He go,
0: he go (laughs) to Yeehaw, um, cowboy. Great. Cactus. Horse.
2: Fucking, I got me a horse.
1: <laughs>
2: Ken. Was general. So, you know
0: what I mean. No, don't put that just, uh, your auntie would not, know. But you could tell I could brag about it to, uh, my friends and associates. Brag about it. My podcast, my, uh, my cousin's a general, was a general, um, retired, along with, the. Uh, he was right hand man for James Mattis with the Joint Chiefs staff. He went to West Point. He did discus like I did, so isn't that interesting? We both did discus in college. Just give me five minutes. <laughs> We will disqualify Trump, round him up like dogey, dogey, yee I got me a horse that can fix that. Christopher Press. Trump for a prison. Okay. Hit me up. Don't be chicken shit. Don't be... And then i am put the emergency first. I'm working in there. Don't be... Chicken shit. First, um... No. Hey, Joe Biden. Hey, jam Tag team. Put me in to replace the garland just five minutes just give me five minutes we disqualify Trump round him up like doggy as well as the other uh, hundreds to, and uh, Yeah, it's fucking number. That's the price. Kidding me? I got me a horse. Can fix that right.
12: Okay. Pressure is going to mount on Tuberville, and I think the Republicans are feeling that heat.
13: Senate Republican leaders have criticized Tuberville's tactics, but have so far done nothing to stop him. In Washington, I'm Jesse Tenormans.
11: Yeah, he's not showing any kind of resolve to change whatsoever. They are on recess right now. Of course, Tuberville is using the recesses as an excuse to defend himself. And before I watch this next clip, let me explain the deal. The way this works, for those who understand, is that one senator can block what's called unanimous consent passage of a bill. Traditionally, and for years, military senior promotions, the senior officer, the way it works, is this general officer or flag officer in the Navy will go before the Senate Armed Services Committee. They will testify. If the committee passes them forward to the Senate, almost without any measure in past history, Uh, it's generally passed through unanimous consent. In other words, as long as the uh, Armed Service Committee agrees, you're fine, unanimous consent. And that just means it's just simply the bill is read, no one objects, and it passes. Every now and then there's been ones that have stopped, maybe a flag officer had been accused of something, for example, a crime. We've had some that were accused of sexual harassment. But it's very rare that military promotions are politicized. Until Tommy Tuberville. So he decides that he doesn't like the military travel policy, which applies to medical treatments, legal medical treatments for service members, allows them to have time off and pays for their travel only to go get legal medical care, in this case, be it uh, perhaps in vitro fertilization or, um, you know, uh, uh, an abortion, uh, that the military would cover that travel. This has made him and the anti-abortion types crazy. So now he's holding all the promotions. And, of course, the Senate... Can't do anything about it because the way it would work is each individual promotion would have to go to the floor of the Senate and be voted on in a regular order drill. That would take a full day at Senate time. They're not doing anything else. They're to pass these promotions because Congress is trying to make a big point. And, and, and of course, now he's, gonna, he's trying to spin that, say, oh, I'm not really causing any problems. Uh, it, it, they could do this, but they just choose not to. They want to go on vacation. Here's a talk to Laura Ingram, his buddy. Uh, it's very extreme. Listen, I've got a hold on these nominees, but they can push
7: these nominees through one at a time. I've only got holds for groups of them at a time. I, I've got a hold on every one of them, but they can bring them one at a time to the floor. But Chuck Schumer doesn't want to work. I mean, we've been out of we've been out of session 50 days before this month, and, and now we're all on vacation for a month. They don't want to. They've got to. They've got the floor, but they don't want to do any work with it. They want to just push these through, and I'm not going to allow that to happen.
11: Yeah, it's estimated that you did each
2: individual...
0: Attention, Jack Smith. Jack Smith. Jack Smith. Yeah, that's great. Jack Smith. cat
1: smooth
0: woman capital siege section siege section Chuck Smith! Jack Smith! I save the planet.
2: Chuck Smith! Long Beach. Long Branch.
0: Staten Island, New York. To Joe Biden. And the Justice Department. Um, Merrick Garland's, attention Jack Smith, sandwich, put a sandwich next to to his name, sandwich, (laughs) Come on, give us another sandwich. Netflix. Comedy Central actually follows me. Isn't that awesome? It is. Good job, just um and you have to give yourself a pat in the back, right kitty cats. Being such a nice kitty cat, you know? Seems to be like grayer, like a lighter gray now. Pretty. I thought it was more brown, like mocha ish. Yes, darling, you're starting to glow. Citizens for Ethics. How about Catman? Catman. Is Catman? Who is Catman? Catman, dude. D- did you? Catman too. did you? Catmander in chief, <laughs> Willow Biden,
2: Occupied Democrats, Women's March. Thank you for for um, NWPc in New
0: York, New York. See so what just comes up? Uh, courage for America. Uh, what is that? I don't know. It sounds nice. Linked Project. Mm, Popok and maybe KFA Legal. So she liked. Wait, where well, he gave me her, I couldn't find her, couldn't find her on Twitter. Staten Island, New York, New York. Oh, uh, Justice Department, and give a number.
2: Free Frivold, call fair to mark Okay, i need to put away my,
0: my M&As. Show. yeah it's yeah, estimated that you did each indi- oh my gosh are. Sure. Yeah, that's amazing <laughs> okay but thanks for dropping by man thanks to 227k see you next time
11: it's now, yeah, peace it's estimated that
12: you love you now fuck the ocean, off it
11: would take eight months love you now fuck rowing, off because now we're well over 280
0: going on hi there welcome back she called it the reverse truman show and politics af. have but it's not always politics actually there's art music and comedy and um... beautiful relaxing things like cute stuff and birds and things to, that are calming and healing and like Tommy Tuberville rounds him up like Doge and Trump too and uh, disqualified Trump campaign exclamation point I launched disqualified Trump campaign I launch disqualify Trump campaign. Oops. Hashtag disqualified Trump. So now it's my hashtag. I claim it disqualified hashtag disqualified Trump campaign. Okay, I'm just gonna fucking campaign every fucking day. Disqualified Trump to uh we must just. Dis- Our national number one priority must be law and order. (laughs) Law and order. (laughs) Um, I volunteer for DOJ to help Round up Trump like doggy in Miami. <laughs> Give us a thumbs up or not, it don't matter. Um using this blonde. I kind of, you know what? I consider myself as like an Andy Warhol character. <laughs> Andy Warhol. Hey there, we're back. And thanks for 227K on one of my podcasts. That's pretty cool. This one has a couple thou. But uh, you're a great backup, my dears. I'm not just, uh, this, hey, wh- check out this awesome ad, man. This is, we're gonna, we're gonna pull up because this is fucking great. Oops. Oh, man. Oh, shit. I accidentally clicked on the ad.
11: down. It keep you up to date on the latest lunacy with Tommy Tuberville and his ridiculous an ongoing hold on military senior promotions that Thank is you, now stretched vet. into over six months and is now t- is actually holding up promotion of the leaders of both the Marine Corps and the Army and a absolute ton of key positions. Let me give you an example. Right now, the U.S. Navy is talking about possibly arming or escorting
2: ships in the Persian Gulf and the commander... Well, what's that?
0: With the prize emoji. Justify for prize, champ for prison. Give rewards and incentives. If you cooperate.
11: That fleet, the one who should be making these decisions, has not been Senate confirmed because of Tommy Tuberville. So we literally have a national security crisis. That is ongoing with only an acting commander all because one senator doesn't like a travel policy here's a great update on where things stand and the growing frustration with tuberville from the
18: hill
13: alabama republican senator tommy tuberville continues to wage his war against the pentagon over its abortion policy now, President Joe Biden is firing back.
19: A growing cascade of damage and disruption, all because one senator from
13: Alabama and 48 Republicans have refused to stand up to him. Tupperville is using a Senate rule to block military promotions that require Senate approval. He says he objects to the Pentagon's policy of providing time off and travel expenses for service members and their dependents seeking legal abortions. I do not want our
7: military to turn, turn into a woke political military.
13: The Pentagon says Coverville's one-man blockade could impact 650 confirmations by the end of the year, with a ripple effect on thousands of troops and their families.
19: Military families already sacrificed so much,
8: unsure of where or when they change stations, unable to get housing or
7: start their kids in the new school. I'm not going to change my mind.
13: Tuberville refuses to back down. Lawmakers have now left Washington until September. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer says Tuberville's sure. fellow Republicans need to end this. Now I
12: think in office pressure is going to mount on Tuberville, and I think the Republicans are feeling that heat.
0: Why don't we hold why don't we ever hold our
2: public officials to a higher standards?
13: Senate Republican leaders have criticized Tuberville's tactics, but have so far done nothing to stop him. In Washington, I'm Jesse Tenor.
11: Yeah, he's not showing any kind of resolve to change whatsoever. They are on recess right now. Of course, Tuberville is using the recesses as an excuse to defend himself. And before I watch this next clip, let me explain the deal. The way this works, for those who understand, is that one senator can block what's called unanimous consent.
0: Message for Fred. Fred's care of. Midas Touch Midas Touch Midas Network Network See if that message goes to message for Fred's
11: ...passage of a bill. Traditionally and for years, military senior promotions, the senior officer, the way it works, is this general officer or flag officer in the Navy will go before the Senate Armed Services Committee. They will testify if the committee passes them forward to the Senate almost without any measure in past history, uh, it's generally passed through unanimous consent. In other words, as long as the uh, Armed Services Committee agrees, You're fine. You manage consent. And that just means it's just simply the bill is read, no one objects, and it passes. Every now and then there's been ones that have stopped. Maybe Maybe a flag officer had been accused of something, for example, a crime. We've had some that were accused of sexual harassment. But it's very rare that military promotions are politicized. Until Tommy Tuberville. So he decides that he doesn't like the military travel policy, which applies to medical treatments, legal medical treatments for service members, allows them to have time off and pays for their travel only to go get legal medical care. In this case, be it uh, perhaps in vitro fertilization or, um, you know, uh, an abortion, uh, that the military will cover that travel. This has made him and the anti-abortion types crazy. So now he's holding on the promotions. And, of course, the Senate can't do anything about it because the way it would work is each individual promotion would have to go before the Senate and be voted on in a regular order drill that would take a full day of senate time they're not doing anything else but trying to pass these promotions because tommy Tarville's is trying to make a big point and, and and of course now he's gonna he's trying to spin that to say oh i'm not really causing their problems uh if they could do this but they just choose
7: not to they want to go on vacation he isn't talking to Laura ingram his buddy uh, it's very extreme listen i've got holes on these nominees but they can push these nominees through one at a time i've only got holes for Groups of them at a time. I, I've got a hold on every one of them, but they can bring them one at a time to the floor. But Chuck Schubert doesn't want to work. I mean, we've been out of we've been out of session fifty days before this month, and now we're all on vacation for a month. They don't want to. They've got the they've got the floor, but they don't want to do any work with it. They want to just push these through. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Yeah,
11: it's estimated that you did each individual promotion. It would take eight months and growing because now we're well over 280 going on 300 promotions that are under hold. He's full of shit. He's always full of shit. You know, it's midsummer. You can see the end of vacation season coming back to school, back to business, back to work. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you right now. And you never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I see this in my own life as I yeah, juggle my work and my family and, and the time. And, and, oh, it's, and because it's what it's you're mad. doing is my life. With BetterHelp, you just from the veterans, he produced a letter with 5,000 veterans' names on it. But our friends at Vote Vets, who don't pull punches, have been going after him pretty hard with several ads and testimonials from veterans. They're actually running this 30-second ad in Alabama right now. All year, Senator trouble has been playing
8: politics with our military, blocking hundreds of promotions, moving holes up the chain of command. Senator, you wouldn't take Auburn to the Iron Bowl without your offensive and defensive coordinators on the field, so stop sacrificing our national security for your political games. You're hanging our military out to dry, just like you did the players at Ole Miss. The military is not your political football. Just let our leaders lead, and I, I love the way they actually go after him for his football record too. When he left Ole Miss, an lurch. If you don't know about that story, look it up. But
11: Old Tommy didn't do any favors at Ole Miss. And this, this is this is who he is. But the big story he's trying to spin is that he's got support, and and, and media outlets have actually kind of given him some support there. They they've got the you know, NPR went down and did the diner the diner circuit in in Alabama. And, oh yeah, we love him. Uh, so both well, that's they decided to. Do about that too. And they just came out with a, 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 a public policy poll talking about his, that's actually did a poll, and they polled 577 voters in Alabama. And the numbers tell a very different story than what Tommy wants you to believe. For example, 58 to 29, these are registered voters, and by the way, the majority of them were Trump voters in the survey. 58 to 29 say Tucker has made his point, and this includes 41 to 40 among Trump voters, people who voted for Trump. So even Trump voters have a plurality that disagree, that that look you did what you did Tommy you have made your point let these promotions go through because now you're hurting national security matter of fact 55% say missions going unfilled like we talked about Marine Corps Commandant Army Chief of Staff 5th uh, Fleet C- uh, Commander they are hurting national security so 55% of voters in Alabama say this is hurting national security and this is really the whopping number that really got my head, my, my attention and should get yours 72% to 14, say military promotions should not be politicized. See, that's what Tommy's done here. He's politicized what should be a non-political movement, a non-political thing. Look, we could disagree on a lot of things, but supporting the military, normal procedures of promoting our senior officers shouldn't be one of them that's politicized. But Tommy's done that and has no plans plans to change. 45% now see him less favorably. See, this is what has been saving him. He keeps saying that polls and and people tell him that they they love what he's doing, but he's not. Only 26% say more favorably than they did. Now, look, that's not saying, and here's what I think is interesting, actually. In the survey, 54% actually oppose the Pentagon policy, and I'm fine with that. 54% to 36% oppose the the policy allowing travel time uh, and and time off to go get abortions for our female service members who are stationed in states like Alabama, that's illegal. I disagree with that, but I think it's important to remember in this poll, 54% actually agree with the policy that he's opposing, but nonetheless, a majority by a large number say, enough's enough, and let these promotions go through. Will Tommy go get the message? I don't know. He seems to be thick-skulled as hell and doesn't listen. But maybe we can get the word to him. So, folks, there's a phone number you can call. I'll put it up on screen. You know, give him a call. Let's let's talk to old Tommy. Let him know that this doesn't work for you as American citizens while our
2: nation faces security crisis around Act so bad, shit
1: (laughs)
0: Trista jump for prison.
11: In the world, one single senator, a football coach, I mean, his stats don't the puzzle coach. Old coach. Coach Tumberville is dropping the ball for America. Let him know. I'm Fred Wellman, Midas Touch Network. Catch new shows of On Democracy every Friday, 9 11. Thanks. Hey, Midas Mighty.
2: Thanks, is Fred.
11: Continue the conversation
8: right, said Fred. Us on right. Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us, said
0: now. Fred. Great. Are
15: solar panels actually free? And why does it ever resource has been exhausted? The short answer is yes, but only through a single government
1: sponsored website. You see, our government recently released a new 2023
19: resource. Solar what do that mean?
1: Do That's a- fucking a- weird.
0: It said resource has been exhausted? Sent? Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh.
20: We are prior footage for
0: the first let check out this. Wait, where are you? Jack Smith could send Trump to prison. See rare footage of him in action. I'm
20: on the beat. I want you here as part of our special report to really take this in. Take a look at Jack Smith's detailed
21: explanation. We don't want to live in a society where someone is convicted based on what's in the newspapers. Uh, i can
22: tell you very often uh, we have cases that we investigate where there are allegations uh in the new- newspapers which if those allegations were true and if those allegations were the complete story uh i could see why the average american would think that is corrupt uh, but we don't want to live in a society of, of a form of mob rule where we just get a few allegations without any process uh, convict somebody but i think that's the role of the prosecutors to take allegations like that when they're public investigate and see if the facts actually back up uh, what's there is the allegation
20: is a source of it credible
17: let the facts
20: leave make sure it's credible and don't do a lot of public hype through the media or otherwise in advance now he was saying all that
22: before taking over all the let's allegations with the complete story uh i can see why the average american would think that is corrupt but We don't want to live in a society of, of a form of mob rule where we just get a few allegations without any process. Uh, somebody. But I think that's the role of the prosecutors to take allegations like that when they're public and investigate and see if the facts actually back up <laughs> so what's there. Keep spacing out the source for of me. incredible newspapers. Uh, I can tell you very often uh, we have where there are allegations uh, in newspapers which if those allegations were true and if those allegations were the complete story uh, I could see why the average American would think that that is corrupt Uh, but we don't want to live in a society of of a form of mob rule where we just get a few allegations without any process uh, convict somebody but I think that's the role of the prosecutors to take allegations like that when they're public and investigate and see if the facts actually back up uh, what's there. Is the allegation and the source of it credible?
20: Let the facts lead, make sure it's credible and don't do a lot of public hype through the media or otherwise in advance. Now, he was saying all that before taking on the special counsel role. It's interesting tonight to see that, well, it seems he's been consistent. That's how he described it then and that's how he's been acting and living through this role. Defendant Trump, not the first head of state that Smith has put on trial either. That's experience you may have heard about. The attorney general knew of it when he recruited Jack Smith for this post after his past prosecution of a sitting head of state. Here's some background on that.
23: Did you hear about the new real estate investing opportunity of 2023 where you don't even have to own your own property? And No, I'm not talking about Airbnb. Let me show you how it works. Head of
24: state.
20: Here's some background on that.
25: But now his past has caught up with him.
6: The president of Kosovo, Hashim Thaci is in The Hague for an interview with prosecutors who have indicted him on war crimes charges.
25: He's been charged with 10 counts of war crimes
7: and crimes against humanity.
20: Jack Smith led that high-stakes case. And we actually have some of this rare footage of Smith making the case in court, leading the oh. prosecution. And before nice. I show it to you as part of this report, let me remind you, this... Is something we have not even seen yet in any of the Trump hearings thus far. Smith overseeing other experienced prosecutors to do this. But how did he get to oversee them? How did he get to this post? By doing this many times in the past. Here we're going to see how he does it. Jack Smith striking a pretty calm and persistent posture, sober, in the courtroom, prosecuting alleged war crimes.
22: The truth will be laid before this court in the coming weeks. My office will be unrelenting and unstopping. Fair administration of justice requires building and fostering institutions that can protect those who seek justice. Mr. Mustafa used their power to victimize and to brutalize fellow Kosovar-Albanians. No justification whatsoever for the inhumane conditions under which they were held or for the manner and if they were brutalized and tortured during their detention, Watch this trial and watch those that follow. Watch how this court functions and then judge. There can never be an expiration date on accountability. You will hear convictions who have waited two decades, two decades to be heard. The charges here do not directly concern the events of the war in Kosovo occurring over 10 years ago they concern attempts to intimidate people into not telling this court what happened to them 20 years ago and attempts to obstruct the work of this institution at any cost.
20: It's pretty striking. Facing those documented horrors, that horror that people were put through to live through, and that quest for what justice might look like, you see Jack Swift's approach. He could have been more dramatic. There was obviously pathos drama and sadness in what happened. He could have been louder. But he took that measured path. That was his approach. He also argued in that same trial that the authoritarian tried to use lies and exploit propaganda and the media as part of his criminal plot. Now, that might sound familiar here on the home front. It's a point that actually echoes in Jack Smith's coup indictment of Trump. And while the U.S. Constitution does value a free press, which makes up its own minds with its freedom, in that very case, as prosecutor, Smith was careful to note something quite important, at least in the view of the law. That so while the journalists would make up their own minds, many journalists there rejected fraudulent and propaganda documents from the accused. Take a listen. Here is Smith in this rare court case.
22: The accused in committing their crimes tried to amplify the damage they caused by exhorting the media in Kosovo to publish ethical journalists of
20: Kosovo. The accused to publish the documents that the accused attempted to provide them. Jack Smith couldn't have known, no one could have necessarily known how big a deal fraudulent documents furnished in various intermediaries and through the press and through politicians and hacks and lawyers and ultimately... Well, in America, ultimately pushed all the way up, trying to get it into Vice President Henry's hands on January 6th. He couldn't have known the parallels here, but there they are. At the Justice Department, I can tell you Jack Smith's last big job before this one was leading the units to prosecute corrupt politicians, public integrity department. It's supposed to be actually prepared for, with prior prosecutions of abuse in government, regardless of whether they were controversial or unpopular in the public realm, like a victorious prosecution and trial of a police officer who abused Abner Louima,
1: garnering a
20: 30-year prison sentence, which at the time was unheard of for officers and unpopular among some prosecutors who work so closely with police and FBI, but Smith went right at it, just like he's taken on top figures in both parties. Consider someone who was once the Democratic Party's national rising star before a rapid fall, you may remember, Senator, and vice presidential nominee. John Edwards. Jack Smith led that prosecution in
15: 2011. John and I are honest and realistic with the American people. The story that's sending shockwaves through the presidential campaign. After months of denials, former candidate John Edwards admitted today that he had an extramarital affair while his wife was battling cancer. The fall from grace for Democrat John Edwards was just as stunning. And tonight, a new low. After a federal grand jury in North Carolina charged him with six felonies.
20: A new low takes you back to grand jury proceedings there that were moving a pace against, at the time, someone in other party, Democratic, than now where we followed a lot of those against Republican Donald Trump. Smith oversaw the case. And later, in the context of these types of cases in general, not just Edwards, but the tricky balancing issues and lines when you deal with politicians and corruption, he explained that a fair prosecution for corruption does require intent. We've heard a lot about criminal intent in his current coup case. And that proving that can be hard. He recounted how government officials, though, can be in denial about their methods, their intent, and the problems they have.
22: What was that person's intent? Um, Did they do uh, this for that? Did they uh, act corruptly? Oftentimes, when I go to speak to folks about Uh, their corruption programs and and what sort of cases they're doing. Uh, Oftentimes I go places and the first thing I hear is, we don't have a corruption problem here, Jack. And my immediate reaction is, you definitely have a corruption
1: problem. Mm -hmm.
25: Phone charging slowly. This is the fastest phone charger on the market. There's a 90% chance your phone is already infected with this. There's a new groundbreaking discovery that's reversing planned
20: obsolescence. And some legal guffaws there because what Smith is getting at is
2: Software says I fall in love too easily. (laughs) Sandwich.
20: guffaws there because what Smith is getting at is every place where there's power and money and any kind of temptation will have at least the possibility of those problems or corruption so if you don't think you're even susceptible to it or anyone in your entire department is then you're probably more susceptible than usual in the Edwards case that theory was using illegal campaign donations to conceal a mistress from voters and that theory fell apart at trial Edwards was found not guilty in a verdict on one charge, a mistrial on the others. DOJ did not retry that case. So, three quick points there. One, Jack Smith was nonpartisan. Two, he was clearly aggressive, so aggressive he didn't actually win over the jury on that case. And three, and this is so important right now, especially as Trump allies and others want to make up stories or tell you narratives or outright lies about DOJ and FBI or Jack Smith without any look at the record, And our point here in the special report is to look back at the record, including the loss, the Edwards loss. But the third piece here is that Smith has a demonstrated respect for legal limits, a kind of measured professional humility. And again, we've gone through all this and picked out the key footage for you. This is something he has spoken about in the sometimes baffling legal lines that are drawn for pursuing politicians.
22: The folks who commit these crimes are sophisticated individuals and by and large uh, they give the money and receive the money or give and receive the benefits in all sorts of complicated forms uh, that make it not nearly as stark, uh, not nearly as easy to report in five lines in a newspaper article and because of that, because of how these crimes are committed because they're often committed by uh, sophisticated people with great means. Uh, we do need uh, laws uh, that are broad enough to reach conduct. I mean, right now, under the honest services statute as it exists, uh, we uh, cannot charge undisclosed conflicts of interest. So just imagine to follow-up on that scenario. You have a mayor, and he takes bribes for city contracts. He takes bribes, he puts the money in his pocket, and he gives someone a contract who shouldn't have got that contract. Those average American taxpayers are not getting what they paid for. I can prosecute that case. That's bribery. I can can prosecute that mayor, and I think everyone would think that we should. That same mayor says, you know what? I don't want the bribes. I want more money. I'm going to start my own company. What's wrong? And I'm going to hide my interest in it, and I'm going to funnel the contracts to me. I I can't prosecute that case. And I think the average American, in terms of what's wrong, if you believe those facts, if those facts and an objective investigation are brought to light, I think that average American wants the Department of Justice.
17: That's
20: a really important point there that he makes. I played it in full so you could really absorb it. He says, I can't prosecute that case. He also makes it clear that he thinks It would be good policy to be able to prosecute that case and go so far as to say he thinks most Americans would agree that if the politicians are blatantly self-dealing or doing corrupt things, that's what the corrupt laws ought to be for. That sounds rational. But notice where he draws the line. He cannot go beyond that. He doesn't say, so we look for a loophole or a trick or we threw a different charge at him to make up for it or the ends justify the means or any of the stuff that you don't want anyone in power, especially the power to indict. Prosecute to jail to seek any level of punishment. You don't want those people playing fast and loose. So it is striking. I want you to hear as we go through the footage that Jack Smith did quite the opposite. He will say quite clearly you might want to go farther. It might sound like corruption, but I can't go beyond what the Honest Services statute says full stop. That's how we approach those high profile cases. And he's got the highest profile case not only in his career, but as Andrew Weissman and others have said, probably the most important trial. ...in the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. We nice investigate. Smith's detailed explanation.
2: Mm-hmm. We don't want to live in a society where someone is... Con-
20: Based on what's in the newspapers we are airing this prior footage for the first time on the beat I want you here as part of our special report to really take this in take a look at Jack Smith's detailed explanation
22: we don't want to live in a society where someone is convicted based on what's in the newspapers uh, I can tell you very often uh, we have cases that we investigate where there are allegations uh, in the new- newspapers which if those allegations were true And if those allegations were the complete story, uh, I could see why the average American would think that is corrupt. Uh, But we don't want to live in a society of of a form of mob rule where we just get a few allegations without any process uh, convict somebody. But I think that's the role of the prosecutors to take allegations like that when they're public and investigate and see if the facts actually back up uh, what's there. Is the allegation and the source of it credible?
20: let the facts lead, make sure it's credible, and don't do a lot of public hype through the media or otherwise in advance. Now, he was saying all that before taking on this special counsel role. It's interesting tonight to see that, well, it seems he's been consistent. That's how he described it then and that's how he's been acting and living through this role. Defendant Trump, not the first head of state that Smith has put on trial either. That's experience you may have heard about. The Attorney General knew of it when he recruited Jack Smith this post after his past prosecution of a sitting head of state. Here's some background
6: on that. But now his past has caught up with him. The president of Kosovo, Hashim Thachi, is in the Hague for an interview with prosecutors who have indicted him on war crimes charges.
25: He's been charged with 10 counts of war crimes and crimes against humanity.
6: Jack Smith led that I-Stakes
20: case. And we actually have some of this rare footage of Smith making the case in court, leading the prosecution. And before I show it to you as part of this report, let me remind you, this is something we have not even seen yet in any of the Trump hearings thus far. Smith overseeing other experienced prosecutors to do this, but how did he get to oversee them? How did he get to this post? By doing this many times in the past. Here you're gonna see how he does it. Jack Smith, striking a pretty calm and persistent posture, sober, in the courtroom, prosecuting alleged war crimes.
22: The truth will be laid before this court in the coming weeks. My office will be unrelenting and unstopping.
1: Fair administration of justice requires building and fostering institutions
22: that can protect those who seek justice. Mr. Mustafa used their power to victimize and to brutalize fellow Kosovo Albanians. No justification whatsoever for the inhumane conditions under which they were held, or for the manner in which they were brutalized and tortured during their detainment. Watch this trial and watch those that follow. Watch how this court functions and then judge. There can never be an expiration date on accountability. You will hear from victims who have waited two decades, two decades to be heard. The charges here do not directly concern the events of the war in Kosovo occurring over 20 years ago. They concern attempts to intimidate people into not telling this court what happened to them 20 years ago, and attempts to obstruct the work of this institution at any cost.
20: It's pretty striking. Facing those documented horrors, that horror that people were put through to live through, and the quest for what justice might look like, you see Jack Smith's approach. He could have been more dramatic. There was obviously pathos, drama, and sadness in what happened. He could have been louder. But he took that measured path. That was his approach. He also argued in that same trial that the authoritarian tried to use lies and exploit propaganda and the media as part of his criminal plots. Now, that might sound familiar here on the home front. It's a point that actually echoes in Jack Smith's current indictment of Trump. And while the U.S. Constitution does value a free press, which makes up its own minds with its freedom, in that very case, as prosecutor, Smith was careful to note something quite important, at least in the view of the law. That so while the journalists would make up their own minds, many journalists there rejected fraudulent and propaganda documents from the accused. Take a listen. Here's Smith in this rare court footage.
22: The accused in committing their crimes tried to amplify the damage they caused by exhorting the media in Kosovo to publish ethical journalists of Kosovo who refused to publish the documents that the accused attempted to provide them. Here's how you can destroy any criminal thug who dares attack you in 10 seconds
26: or less. This works even if he's bigger than you, stronger than you, and even if he's armed. That's why the Navy SEALs were taught the technique I'm about to show you as their go-to move for hand-to-hand combat. I'm Martin, and I'm a self-defense coach at Spy Briefing. We've taught thousands of normal guys
22: like you self-defense over the years. And I know that if you haven't trained before, you might be... Ethical journalists of Kosovo, who accused to publish the documents that the accused attempted to provide them.
20: Jack Smith couldn't have known, no one could have necessarily known, how big a deal fraudulent documents furnished in various intermediaries, and through the press, and through politicians, and hacks, and lawyers, and ultimately, well, in America, ultimately pushed all the way up, trying to get it into Vice President Pence's hands on January 6th. He couldn't have known the parallels
1: here, but there they are.
20: Justice Department, I can tell you Jack Smith's last big job before this one was leading the unit that prosecutes corrupt politicians, Public Integrity Department, it's supposed to supposedly actually prepared for with prior prosecutions of abuse government, regardless of whether they were controversial or unpopular in the public realm, like a victorious prosecution and trial of a police officer who abused Advin Luna. Gone in, a 30-year prison sentence, which at the time is unheard of for officers, and unpopular among some prosecutors who work so closely with police and FBI, but Smith went right at it, just like he's taken on top figures in both parties. Consider someone who was once the Democratic Party's national rising star before a rapid fall, you may remember, Senator, vice-presidential nominee, John Edwards. Jack Smith led that prosecution in 2011.
15: John and I are honest and
6: realistic with the American people. The story sending sending shockwaves through the presidential campaign. After months of denials, former candidate John Edwards admitted today that he had an extramarital affair while his wife was battling cancer. The fall from grace for Democrat John Edwards was just as stunning.
19: And tonight, a new low. After a federal grand jury in North Carolina charged him with six
20: felonies. A new low. Takes you back to grand jury proceedings there that were moving the case against, at the time, some other party, Democratic, than now, which we followed a lot of those against Republican Donald Trump. Smith oversaw the case. And later, in the context of these types of cases in general, not just Edwards, but the tricky balancing issues and lies when you deal with politicians and corruption, he explained that a fair prosecution for corruption does require intent. We've heard a lot about criminal intent in his current coup case. And that proving that can be hard. He recounted how government and officials, though, can be in denial about their methods, their intent, and the problems they have. What was that
22: person's intent? Um, did they do uh, this for that? Did they... Uh, act corruptly. Oftentimes, when I go to speak to folks about uh, their corruption programs and, and what sort of cases they're doing, uh, oftentimes I go places and the first thing I hear is, "Oh, we don't have a corruption problem here, Jack. And my immediate reaction is, you definitely have a corruption problem mm-hmm. there.
20: Some legal pause there, because what Smith is getting at is every place where there's power and money and any kind of temptation will have at least the possibility of those problems of corruption. So if you don't think you're even susceptible to root or anyone in the entire department is, then you're probably more susceptible than usual. And in the Edwards case, that theory was using illegal campaign donations to conceal a mistress from voters, and that theory fell apart at trial. Edwards was found not guilty in a verdict on one charge and mistrial on the others. DOJ did not retry that case. So three quick points there. One, Jack Smith was nonpartisan. Two, he was clearly aggressive, so aggressive he didn't actually win over the jury on that case. And three, and this is so important right now, especially as Trump allies and others want to make up stories or tell you narratives or outright lies about DOJ and FBI or Jack Smith without any look at the record. And our point here in the special report is to look factually at the record, including the loss, the Edwards loss. But the third piece here is that Smith has been demonstrated respect for legal limits a kind of measured professional humility. And again, we've gone through all this and picked out the key footage for you. This is something he has spoken about and we sometimes baffling legal lines that are drawn for pursuing politicians.
22: The folks who commit these crimes are sophisticated individuals and by and large, uh, they give the money and receive the money or give and receive the benefits in all sorts of complicated forms uh, that make it not nearly as stark, uh, not nearly as easy to report in five lines in a newspaper article. And because of that, because of how these crimes are committed, because they're often committed by uh, sophisticated people with great means, uh, we do need uh, laws uh, that are broad enough to reach conduct. I mean... Right now, under the honest services statute as it exists, uh, we uh, cannot charge undisclosed conflicts of interest. So just imagine, just to follow up on that scenario, you have a mayor, and he takes bribes for city contracts. He takes bribes, he puts the money in his pocket, and he gives someone a contract who shouldn't have got that contract. Those average American taxpayers are not getting what they paid for. I can prosecute that case. That's bribery. I I can prosecute that mayor, and I think everyone would think that we should that same mayor says you know what i don't want the bribes i want more money i'm going to start my own company and i'm going to hide my interest in it and i'm going to funnel the contracts to me i can't i can't prosecute that case and i think the average american in terms of what's wrong if you believe those facts if those facts and an objective investigation are brought to light i think that average american wants the department of justice
7: Really important point there that he makes.
20: I play it in full so you can really observe it. He says, I can't prosecute that case. He also makes it clear that he thinks it would be good policy to be able to prosecute that case. He goes so far as to say he thinks most Americans would agree that if the politicians are blatantly self-dealing or doing corrupt things, that's what the corruption laws ought to be for. That sounds rational. But notice where he draws the line. He cannot go beyond that. He doesn't say, so... You look for a loophole or a trick, or you threw a different charge at him to make up for it, or the ends justify the means, or any of the stuff that you don't want anyone in power, especially the power to indict, to prosecute, to jail, to seek any level of punishment. You don't want those people playing fast and loose. And so it is striking, I want you to hear, as we go through the footage that Jack Smith did quite the opposite. He will say quite clearly, you might want to go farther, it might sound like corruption, but I can't go beyond what the Honest Services Statute says, full stop. That's how he approached those high-profile cases, and he's got the highest-profile case not only in his career life, but, as Andrew Weissman and others have said, probably the most important trial in the history of the United States.
13: For dogs, good or it's bad? Peeble scraps can be healthy for dogs. It's but here's three dangers you need to avoid. Yes. Inner danger number one, hidden toxic...
0: Computer software says that I fall in love too easily.
1: <laughs>
0: That's a good joke. Hmm. Um, you know what I should do for some stand-up? I read my... Uh, should read my um, okay, Cupid profile.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so we're on exclusive vice. Pro- we're on MSNBC right now. Kamala Harris warns democracy is at stake
17: right now. Hmm, okay. okay. Are you concerned about turnout, especially among blacks, uh, in the election? You hear these polls. Are you concerned about that?
3: I.
27: I'm always concerned about turnout, whatever election we are talking about, because yeah, let, let us talk about in like- a moment where we thank everybody for what they did to turn out in 2020. Appreciate that it takes an effort to turn out to vote. People have things to do. They have obligations, if somebody's working two or three jobs, if they've got, you know, a bunch of children and they need to worry about who's going to take care of the kids while they go vote, or, there are, people have obligations every day, but the people who, especially the people who have most at stake in the election, are often the people who, who least have the luxury of taking time out of their day to do something that is not an immediate obligation. So I recognize that, and I recognize that when people make the effort to register to vote, to fill out that ballot, to go to the polls and vote, it is an effort that we should appreciate and be thankful for when they make it. Um, I'm worried about it because I also know that there has been a lot of effort and laws that have been passed to try and make it more difficult for people to vote. I mean, can you imagine, Rev? in the United States of America, we went through all these fights, the March on Washington, John Lewis, all that, and and these so-called leaders who are so bold as to unapologetically propose and pass laws to make it more difficult for the American people to vote. The gall. So I do worry that we have to do everything we can to remind people why it's important and also fight against those people who are trying to
17: make it difficult. One of the things we're doing with the march is that we have co-chairing anti-deformation, yeah, that's Asian great. groups, yeah, uh, and and you need us, yeah, because I think yeah. as you have always said through your career, uh, it's about bringing everybody together, a coalition and if there's no coalition there's no victory for That's any right. of us and th- is that what you hope that despite all of the acrimony we're in from some circles despite you being targeted at least politically mm-hmm. uh, is that what you hope in this hour yes. that we can do is get beyond whatever tribal differences and fight for all of us
27: yes and when we look again if as commemorating 60 years ago and 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 The the movement, as it was and and fueled and inspired in those days, there was a strong commitment then to the coalition. And again, if you talk about the ingredients, the, the essential ingredients in a movement that is about progress, the coalition is one of the most essential, which is grounded in the understanding and belief that the vast majority of us have so much more in common than what separates us, and and also a certain level of faith, to just understand and be guided by knowing that we all have a common purpose and a common destiny. And so let's do this together, right?
17: When you think about, they call it bi some of the stuff that mm-hmm. you and the president have done and they're getting through the people. Uh, you're the vice president of the United States, the vice president, mm-hmm. and you're at the official residence. When you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. what do you think about? What is Vice President Harris have on her mind when she wakes up? I know how all Americans, based on where they are, have got a variety of things. But share with me, what is it that you have on your mind when you wake up every morning?
27: Our democracy. Rev, I think everything is at stake right now. Um, when I think about democracy, I, I, I think of it as, its nature is, there's a duality, there are two pieces to it. There's one aspect of a democracy that is about strength. When a democracy is intact, it strengthens the people, it protects and fights for fundamental freedoms, individual rights. It's a, It's a fight for order against chaos. It strengthens. On the other hand, democracy, incredibly fragile. It will only be as strong as our willingness to fight for it. And right now, there are many forces that are attempting to purposely, I believe, weaken our democracy purposely attempting to erode a sense of um, pride in the fact that we as the united states have have held ourselves out and, and have been considered to be one of the strongest democracies in the world and right now in the context of the world people are watching wondering what is the future of democracy in america and I mention that because I, I have been traveling the world. I have met with over a hundred world leaders. Mm. Presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, and kings. And here's the thing about being in the United States of America. When we walk in those rooms, we walk in those rooms, chin up, shoulders back, with the self-appointed and earned authority to talk about the importance of rule of law, human rights, democracy. But the thing about being a role model, people watch what you do to see if it lines
2: up with what you say.
1: Mm.
27: So one of the things that is, One of the things I wake up thinking about is not only what an erosion of democracy will mean for the American people, what it will mean, invariably, for people around the world? Can you imagine the the young women who are fighting in a a country ruled by a dictator or an autocrat, and they're fighting for for, for just basic rights? And that autocrat looking at them and saying, do you want to hold out the United States as your example? Look at what they're doing, you be quiet. Mm. Understand what this means. This is very much on my mind.
17: And you've said frequently, not on your watch. Yes. Uh, we fought many women, Yeah. Blacks, yes. others to become part of this democracy. That's right. On your watch, you're not going to let it go back to pre-1950 days.
27: I love my country too much. And I'm not giving up on my country. I'm not.
17: Do you you feel that uh, the whole question of where we are in history, uh, one day some young lady is going to look at your picture, the way you look at Thurgood's picture and John Lewis's picture, what do you hope they look at and say?
27: I hope they say that um, they should. That they will say, "I can do anything, even if it hasn't been done before." I will not be burdened by what has been. I will believe in what can be. That's what I hope.
17: Where do you hope uh, that people will finally be able to say that this gesture? Uh, that you're most proud of that you've been able to do with the president? I know you have vietnamics. Yeah. What, what are the things you're most proud of? Have there's a lot. Here.
27: I have to tell you that there's a lot. I mean, I'm proud of, for example, an issue I've worked on for, for a long time, the issue of maternal health. Putting that on the stage in the White House where we're talking about The fact that in one of the wealthiest countries in the world we have the highest rates of maternal mortality, where black women are three times more likely to die in connection with childbirth, native women one and a half, or two times more likely, rural women one and a half times more likely, and we're putting in place a requirement that it be taken seriously. For example, when I first came in, basically I challenged the states, extend postpartum care for women, through Medicaid from two months to 12 months. Only three states were doing it. Now over 35 are doing it, right? I'm proud of that, what that will mean every day Mm. for the health and well-being of families and communities. I'm proud of what we've done in terms of expanding access to capital for small businesses. I love small businesses. So back to who I am. So my mother worked very hard, my sister Maya and I, Sometimes she, you know, would have to work later on weekends. And we had a second mother who lived two two doors down, Mrs. Shelton, who ran the, and we would go to Ms. Shelton's to have dinner or whatever. Um, Ms. Shelton ran the nursery school, and we lived in the apartment on top of the nursery school. Ms. Shelton was a small business owner.
17: Wow.
27: And she was a matriarch of the community. She would hire locally, she mentored, I love our small businesses, and the work we're doing, expanding access to capital for small businesses, and I could go on and on and on. There are many things that I'm proud of, that we have done, that have been, I think, in many ways, and I say this humbly, that have been transformational for our country.
17: Well, 60 years later, <laughs> a uh, story I heard growing up in the movement was how they didn't let women speak mm-hmm. at the march. Well, they'll be speaking this march, but more important, there's a woman of color in the White House that speaks for democracy every day. Come a long way in 60 years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you Raph. <laughs>
1: He me condition
0: Oh what a good time we will have oh my gosh no. what do you know? What else does MSNBC have? Top of the list, overlapping conspiracies, how Trump's team...
8: Assessed. Hey folks, we're going to win re-election. and uh, we need you by my side every step of the way. ...messages filed in a separate in lawsuit front show front Trump's front. attorney but Sidney
3: Powell organized a visit 21. to the Coffey
5: County election office. What do we know about that part of the story? Yeah, we've known for a while that Coffee County was in the under the microscope. What happened down there? It's a real Georgia county, very deeply conservative Trump country down there. Was not a very close election, but we know that a team of Trump supporters and uh, data analysts they had hired entered the Coffee County Elections Board meeting, took, spent hours in there copying voting data. It was, their entrance was caught on surveillance, security surveillance. Uh, that data was distributed to conspiracy theorists in the county, pro-Trump conspiracy theorists. So we know that's under the microscope. We're not, of course, sure if the, that will be involved in the indictment, but we know that Fannie Willis and her investigators, her team of investigators have been closely looking at what happened in Coffee County.
3: When I asked one of our other legal analysts, Lisa Rubin, what this indictment might look like, they described it as chapters that instead of laying out one linear big narrative, they're going to take this piece by piece. Hi there, welcome back. Let's
0: see what's going on with the. Uh, oops, no prize. there? my favorite Okay, we were on um, Trump's election interference exposed analysis unpack. Oh, that sounds good. This is on MSNBC three hours ago. Thanks to the people like Sid and Fannie
9: Willis's Georgia Gates, Abrams, Yay. and other organizers, black voters in Georgia have turned out to vote in droves since 2020, despite legislation passed in the state designed to make it harder to do so. But the former president regards these black votes the same way he regards our democracy disposable. I'm joined now by Greg Bluestein, political reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and MSNBC political contributor. Catherine Christian is also here, MSNBC legal analyst and former Manhattan assistant district attorney. Uh, Greg, I'm going to start with you. You have said that uh, former Georgia Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan could be a star witness in this case. What do you think D.A. Willis is hoping to hear from him?
5: Yeah, he's one of four witnesses, at least four witnesses we've confirmed who are supposed to go before the, the grand jury this week, Monday and Tuesday. And look, I think he gives a different perspective because he's a Republican, he's a conservative Republican, but he also broke openly with Donald Trump in 2020. He was among the Republican leaders who shouted down, who who backed off, uh, the, buff, the president, the former president's attempts to reverse the election results here in Georgia. He also demoted three state senators who were part of the effort to convince or persuade the then-Vice President Mike Pence to block Georgia's Electoral College votes as well. So I think he gives a different GOP perspective to his grand jurors to show that this is not just a partisan prosecution. This is something that Republicans and Democrats here in Georgia have spoken out against in terms of Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the election results.
9: Uh, Greg, when do you think we will see any indictments related to this investigation? Right now, the
5: earliest we can see it is Tuesday. That's the day that we've circled on the calendar because that's the day we know that the former lieutenant governor and another uh, witness, uh, independent journalist, George Cheaty, they're both set to testify before the grand jury, which is supposed to meet Monday and Tuesday.
9: So, Catherine, in this case, uh, there's been lots of talk about the possibility of racketeering charges. Does the CNN reporting that the Fulton County prosecutors have these, you know, text messages about Coffee County's voting system give you any more insight into that charge? I think
18: all of the evidence we've heard of, you know, between Rudy Giuliani making false statements and showing a doctored video and making defamatory statements against the election workers, the U.S. Attorney of the Northern District of Georgia resigning, either jumped or pushed. Um, The phone call that we all know about that happened on January 2nd, 2021 was not Donald Trump's only phone call. He called the AG before then to pressure the AG into, you know, joining an election for uh, a lawsuit. the frivolous one. He called the governor. So I think all of that evidence is is me. You know, I hate to predict. Um, I think there probably will be a RICO, a racketeer influence corrupt organizations at charge, which is very different than the federal charge. People are familiar with the federal charge, Georgia has its own version, and this DA is an expert in charging that because she's done it in the past she's done it against school administrators she's done it in gang cases there's a pending case now on trial um, where she's charged so this is her
9: expertise and what is the i mean what is the key difference between federal racketeering rico charges and georgia what is the biggest ramification if you will
18: the Georgia one is much more expansive. So if we see it means that the DA, DA Willis, has, she believes that she has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendants in this case, and there probably will be multiple defendants, engage in a common plan or scheme to overturn the legitimate results of the Georgia presidential election. So the difference between Georgia and the federal is there doesn't have to be an enterprise. And there are also many more uh, crimes that the person can commit and be considered part of it. So just in a nutshell, she has to prove that there was uh, racketeering activity. Activity. And what does that mean under Georgia? That means that the defendants either committed, attempted to commit, or solicit someone to commit a crime that is chargeable by indictment under Georgia law. And those crimes under Georgia law include making false statements, perjury, forgery bribery, violating the Georgia uh, uh, Computer uh, Act. She also has to prove there was a pattern of that racketeering activity, which means she has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that at least two acts, and they're called predicate acts, were committed. And it was committed for the purpose of engaging in this common plan or scheme to overturn the Georgia results.
9: Mm. See, I knew Catherine Christian could give us the details. So, Greg, we're talking about Coffee County right now. We know that Sidney Powell um, is the person in Trump's orbit, his lawyer, that hired those folks, that data firm that went in and uh, allegedly, you know, that's when the breach happened, that same day that they were in that building. Um, We also know that Rudy Giuliani received a target letter from D.A. Fonnie Willis. Remind us, were there any other target letters that were sent out? Who else in Donald Trump's orbit could potentially be caught up uh, in this grand jury situation this week? Yeah,
5: it's a pretty wide net, Simone. I mean, 18 or so folks have received, at least 18 people have received these target letters notifying them that they could be facing criminal charges. We know since then though, at least eight of those people that have received those target letters have struck immunity deals. That is that is the bulk of the fake electors in Georgia. So eight of the fake electors in Georgia have struck immunity deals. So we don't expect them to, to face charges, uh, but that also leaves a number of other people on the table. You mentioned Giuliani, you mentioned some of the people involved in this Coffee County scheme. Um, there, there are others in Donald Trump's or, orbit uh, John Eastman, the former GOP chair of here in Georgia, David Schaefer, who is involved in the fake elector plot, uh, Mark Meadows, folks who were int- intricately involved in the efforts in Georgia to undermine Joe Biden's victory. Those could all be part and parcel of this investigation.
9: Mm. Uh, Greg, if I may, I want to ask you a political question about Republicans in Georgia and how they are responding um, to this the potential of this next indictment, at least the grand jury being convened this week. Donald Trump obviously has been fundraising off of his other uh, in- indictments, and nationally they actually haven't impacted his poll numbers. But based on your reporting, what um, what are leaders in Georgia saying? Because from what I gather, they seem to be split on this particular issue
5: I think you're exactly right I mean Donald Trump still has a double-digit lead here in Georgia like he has in other states around the nation but this hits home right we lived through the Brad Raffensperger call we lived through those efforts to, we, we watched firsthand those efforts here in Georgia to overturn the election results, the calls to Governor Kent, the calls to Attorney General Chris Carr, the rest of it, in the middle of a runoff campaign to decide control of the US Senate. So a lot of Republicans I'm talking to, some think it will strengthen Donald Trump's hands, but others are very, very openly worried about it. They say that, they, that the party better have a backup. GOP leaders either don't want to talk about it at all, are privately very very concerned that donald trump's uh this is a must-win state for republicans in, in november 2024 and they're very worried that donald trump's legal problems could doom him here in georgia <laughs>
21: Big and tall shirts on sale. Only two point six three dollars. You can get one.
6: Extended sizes are from extra large to five extra large.
20: What are you waiting for? Download
21: and shop on Timu now.
28: Uh, Auto ship from Chewy. Pet essentials delivered on repeat. Because. Hello,
0: darlings. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio, with the University of Alex Donovan.
1: Auto ship I
0: thought it was funny, Willis. Is that it?
16: My Morning Joe highlights. So we were talking about this interview that Donald Trump did earlier this week. It was in Iowa, a radio show in Iowa. The former president was asked about the possibility of jail time stemming from special counsel Jack Smith's investigation.
6: Here is Trump's answer. Is it something that concerns you of, of you know, of the people Making sure that they don't go out of their right mind if something like that happens, because I know what I'm thinking of could happen if that, for example, they do say Jack Smith says, "Okay, I'm going to put Donald Trump in jail. I think it's a very dangerous thing to even talk
5: about uh, because we do have a tremendously passionate group of
15: voters. And I mean. Maybe, you know, maybe a hundred, a hundred and fifty. I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Much more passion than they had in 2020 and much more
5: passion than they had in 2016. I think, uh, it would be very dangerous.
16: much more passion than they had in 2020 implying it could be even worse than you saw around the 2020 election obviously just appallingly dangerous stuff to say given the recent history in this country and also as you pointed out earlier, very stupid as he perhaps comes under indictment here for the events around the 2020 election Yeah, I don't know if Donald Trump
26: understands. What is he doing? Well, he's talking like a mobster. Yeah. It'd be a shame if uh, it'd be very dangerous for Jack Smith. Wouldn't want another riot. And they're more dangerous now than they were in 2020 or 2016. Could be worse. Gene, um, he's just so stupid. He really is. He just doesn't understand. He's going up against the feds. He doesn't understand that he can't bully and bluster and threaten his way out of criminal charges that are coming because he broke the law, because he stole nuclear secrets, because he stole secret plans to attack Iran, because he stole secret military secrets, because he has people all around him all around him on January the 6th that are testifying against him. No Democrats, no moderate Republicans, all Trumpers, all the Trump. everybody that he ever hired has gone before the grand jury. Everybody that was around him January the 6th went before the grand jury. All Trumpers. And he's going to be charged for some of the most serious crimes in America. And his response his response instead of talking to his lawyer saying hey get me a deal i don't know what it's going to look like but get me a deal because they've got me dead to right my own people are the people testifying against me get me deal." instead of that he goes on an iowa radio show And like a mobster threatens Jack Smith. Has he not looked at pictures of Jack Smith? This guy looks like the judge on Andor. He looks like the guy that takes the good guy from the Star Wars galaxy and throws him into jail for life. He doesn't understand. Oh, my God, look, I'm scared. You just scared me by putting this picture up yeah but, yeah he what does, he he think is, I him, does he think jack smith is going to be intimidated by
29: mob-like threats gene yeah and, and that's not going to happen. Jack Smith looks like a pretty intense guy, and he, and he <laughs> looks like uh, he's not going to take any of this from Donald Trump. I think Trump does, does, doesn't know what else to do. He obviously sees the walls closing in on him, uh, the indictments coming. Someone must have told him uh, let him know what the conviction rate is in, uh, in federal court, which is well over 90% of, of so, um defendants who were charged uh, either plead guilty or get convicted. I mean, it is uh, it, it, this is a, t- a tough situation for him and rather than, than, than make a deal and rather than try to, you know, somehow keep his freedom uh, he he does this it can only make things worse for him it can only make things worse for him, but he, he just doesn't know else to do uh, I know he's yeah. going to run harder and harder and harder Harder, uh to win the presidency again, uh, so he can try to pardon himself. That's um, the, the, I think that's his, his ultimate move.
3: It's reminiscent of the stand back and stand by that he said to the to the Proud Boys. And there's a lot of you know I think uh, I will agree with Joe on this one point. Although Hylman just tell, texted me and told me not to let you moumout me um, about the mom and uh, but the. Um, he says that, you know, so he said what he said yesterday, very mob like, right? But uh, he did a, another interview earlier in the week where he was asked, like, well, it seems like you kind of like these indictments. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, it bothers me, right? It was like a little moment of vulnerability that he was showing that, you know, that this, this stuff
26: is, is getting to him. So we have everybody whining about how Joe Biden's going to do so terribly. And we have everybody whining about a third-party candidate. We have everybody whining about everything because this is what the Democrats do. Uh
1: Um,
26: uh, It's the Obama administration. But when their campaign talked about bedwetting, excessive bedwetting going on there. Um, um, And the polls, we showed a poll yesterday showing that Donald Trump losing... Losing by five points, to mm-hmm. Joe Biden 49 to 44%. Another one came out, which Mediaite said it calls a brutal, brutal poll showing Joe Biden crushing Donald Trump, even with
25: a third party candidate. Well, that's the interesting part here. Despite having some concerns about both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump, new polling shows. Most Americans are not open to voting for a third-party ticket in 2024. In the latest Monmouth University survey, just 30% of registered voters say they would definitely or probably consider voting third-party if Biden and Trump are the leading names on the 2024 ballot. As for how a nameless third-party ticket could impact a 2024 rematch between the current and former president, the poll shows it may actually help Biden. Without a third-party option, the survey shows Biden beating Trump by 7 points, 47% to 40%. With a third-party ticket on the ballot, ballot Biden's victory over Trump grows to 9 points, 37% to Twenty-eight percent. So, Willie,
26: so, really, looking at this, I mean, first of all, I mean, this is the second day we have polls out that show Joe Biden easily beating Donald Trump, uh, thumping him. And on this third party uh, value, we're all thinking it's going to hurt Joe Biden, it's going to hurt Joe Biden, people that are with Donald Trump. It doesn't look that way here, it doesn't look this way in some other polls, it, it looks like people are saying, I, I don't like Donald Trump at all, give me another option, I'll never vote for Joe Biden, I'll never vote for a Democrat. But give me a third party option and we actually see there there's some actual softness in Donald Trump's numbers and Joe Biden looking better than ever.
16: Yeah, that cuts against the conventional wisdom, everything we've been hearing, which is if someone like Joe Manchin were to jump in the race, it would only hurt um, Joe Biden and help to get Donald Trump reelected to be president. So, Jen Palmieri, I'm curious how you read into those numbers, because every other poll we've seen says people don't like the matchup. They don't like their choices. They don't want Donald Trump against Joe Biden, and they don't want to see this movie again. And yet, when you actually put the question directly to them, 30% of them want to see a third party. But it actually helps Joe Biden. And again, in that head-to-head, I think it was seven points again. The one we saw yesterday was five points. You have Joe Biden up seven points in this Monmouth poll over Donald Trump. So for all the panicking, as Joe says, that's been going on in the Democratic Party, those numbers, at least in these last several polls, look pretty good for Joe Biden.
3: So I was just looking at my phone because I already have two text messages from Democrats who, I don't like to use the term bedwetting because I find it crude, but who are very, who are freaking out about uh, this poll because that is what Democrats do, Joe. You're right. We do freak out, but it's also why there's still a public standing because we over worry about uh, about elections and what's going to happen in them. This is this is interesting. I'm not sure that I trust it. It's the first time I've seen a poll where there is a third-party option that did benefit. Biden, as opposed to uh, Trump, although, or or at least just didn't hurt Biden. Um, but there is, you know, but there is a lot of concern that if you have that that Trump's numbers and every other poll that I've seen has showed this are very strong, and if you have um, and if there, people have a third-party option, that that is likely to take away from Biden because Biden is winning some disgruntled Republicans and um, independents over. Now. Continuing in the role of the party pooper here for Democrats, I'll say, okay, talking about the poll from yesterday, which had Biden winning uh, 49 uh, 45 over Trump, that's a national poll, that's great. When you look at battleground states, and I'll use Wisconsin as an example, you know, you got to get to 270. These states are non-static, they're changing. And so Wisconsin, for example, has a higher level of white non-college educated voters in 2024 than it had in 2020. That cohort of voters, you know, has favored Trump as opposed to Biden. So these poll numbers are all great, but, you know, you still have to bat. You know, you still got to get to two hundred and seventy, and there's concerns about when you look underneath the hood what those numbers are going to be like in each of these battleground states. And then, in terms of the third party, you know, only thirty percent are open to voting for uh, an, a you know either a you know, third party option. But Jill Stein only needed to get in the very small digits uh, of support in Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and Pennsylvania to win the election for Donald Trump. So. So, I think yes. the third party still remains a very, very significant threat to Joe Biden. Yeah,
26: yeah, yeah. The, the PTSD is strong with this one. Well, there's no key
3: about
1: it,
7: no, so. yeah. There's no <laughs> about it. It's just traumatic stress. Exactly. It is, it is it is traumatic stress. Sam,
26: why didn't she just say on the two best days of polling for Joe Biden, why didn't she just say we don't deserve good things? <laughs> we Republicans say we may not deserve it, but we're gonna Take it, that when you see these polls, you're looking at it going, "Well, this is a trend line in a positive direction." You know, happy days are here again. When you look, when I look at Wisconsin, why do I see? I see a judge's race, the conservative's called the most important race in that state in a decade, and Democrats won by eleven points. Yes, things are not static. Things are breaking, maybe it's because I'm not a Democrat, I'm still an independent so I'm not overly negative yet, things are breaking in Democrats' way they won by a landslide in wisconsin in supreme court judicial race that republicans called the most important race of their time Uh, democrats won in kansas they won they won in kentucky on abortion they have so many things that are breaking their way not just the indictments but the row the overturning of Roe. so many things good going in their direction and Donald Trump is looking crazier and crazier every day. That's why I always, I don't talk about national polls. I usually talk about the suburbs of Atlanta. They'll never go for Trump again. The suburbs of Philly, they'll never go for Trump again. The suburbs of Detroit, they'll never go for Trump again. The suburbs of Milwaukee, they'll never go for Trump again, especially post-Roe. And I hope the power of positive thinking Did not trigger Jen or any other Democrats out there. But look, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to smile. It's That's okay,
25: okay not. to be positive. <laughs> yeah.
26: No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hell no. Tell well, us first know. of all, let me let me just agree with
19: Jen. Uh, bedwetting is a crude, disgusting term. It should be banished from the airwaves. <laughs> Let's get, never mention it again. And secondly, uh, Jen you did make you know uh, I think a very valid, if not you know maybe cup half empty, uh, case for being optimistic uh, for Democrats uh, heading into twenty twenty four. It is a race in certain states. It's not a national race, right? Like, you have to look at Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I, and this, I guess, would be a question I would sort of direct to Eugene here, which is, you know, if you look at that third-party ticket, right, and you're scared about it, it's, you know, there's no. You have to look at two third-party tickets, right? Like there's the mansion one that's no labels. It would draw it would draw centrist and maybe Republicans who will be open to Biden. It could draw them away from Biden. But the other one is a Cornell West type, right? Who could take you know a couple percentage points, maybe a few key thousand votes in critical states away from Biden. In what Jen is you know reliving a, a sort of like Joe Stein scenario, right? Uh, and I don't want to trigger it again, but that is what happened. Um, you are plugged in, Gene, you know the people let us which one do they actually fear the most, right? Like do they fear the the, 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 the mansion type run or do they fear the Cornell West small percentage points uh, liberal enthusiasm
29: being just drained from them? Well, the answer, of course, because they're Democrats, is both. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but, but before I get to that, though, let me—I'm um, I'm shocked that we haven't yet mentioned—we're we're 12 minutes into the show. We haven't mentioned the one real big story in Washington today, which is the NFL owners approved the sale of the yes. Washington Football Team, the Commanders, Dan oh, yeah. Snyder yeah. to Josh Harris. The our long national nightmare. Is is over, uh, and um, uh, you know every, everything is bright and sunny again. So um, our own malignant clown show is over. Uh, so, uh, uh, so let's all, you know. So how how can anybody uh, have negative thoughts on a day like that? I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. I, it, it, you question. know, third party. Um, I, I, I my general view has been that the third party would probably hurt Joe Biden but now we have some data indicating maybe it wouldn't I think that's a good thing and uh and I think um the, I think the polling has been good has just been good for Biden and I'm perfectly willing to to say you know great um, uh, and, and, and spend the day not worrying. I'm, uh, my my uh, resolution for today is not to worry and to, and to celebrate uh, the end uh, of a terrible era here in Washington football. Vice President Kamala
16: Harris will visit Florida today to address the state's new standards for teaching black history in schools. Mm-hmm. Earlier this week, the state's Board of Education approved new guidelines that includes teaching students that some black people benefited from slavery because it taught them useful skills. The White House says the Vice President now will deliver remarks in Jacksonville to highlight the administration's efforts to, quote, protect fundamental freedoms. The visit comes just a day after Harris's speech in Indianapolis, where she blasted states that are banning books. Since
27: President Biden and I took office, our nation has made incredible progress, all thanks to your support. That includes creating over 13 million jobs, lowering Isn't the cost hard. of health care and prescription drugs, the largest investment to fight climate change in America's history. But there is still so much more to do. Joe and I are running for re-election to finish the job. And we need you in our corner once again. Our campaign relies on grassroots supporters from across the country who pitch in five, even ten dollars at a time. If you can add a donation today. Your support means so much to She us, sounds and thank like you. dead inside.
16: <laughs> Indianapolis, where she blasted yeah, like states I mean, that I'm... are banning books.
27: And speaking like more, of then. our children, I of extremists... Offering,
0: I thought of offering my assistance to as a voice coach because...
2: Uh, off putting are um wanting
27: Ask book bans to prevent them from learning our true history. Book bans in this year of our Lord 2023. And while they do this, check it out. They push forward revisionist history. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and
25: we will not stand for it.
16: Joining us now, the host of MSNBC's Politics Nation, President of the National Action Network, Reverend Al Sharpton. Rev, good morning. I had to dig in and read this because the headline I thought couldn't be true, but here it is a 216 page document from the Florida State Board of Education. One section that reads, slaves develop skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefits. I never thought I'd see both sides of slavery taught in public schools.
17: Well, it is not only insulting, it is humiliating. And it really is dangerous because it will instruct young people if it is allowed to go forward. Uh, not only a distorted Uh, version of American history, but it robs us from seeing where we are. When you see the vice president going to Florida today to really uh, give national spotlight to this, it it shows also how far the country has gone, that you have a first time in the history of the country, a woman and a black woman, a woman of color, as vice president, that came from uh, a history of slavery. So to distort how brutal slavery is, it's like saying an abused woman, a man say I abused her because I was trying to get her bad uh, lineage out of her, her family curses out of her. I mean, it, it is absolutely absurd, insulting, and it is not only a distortion of American history, but it robs from us the progress that we have made, therefore the progress we must continue. Uh, and I couldn't think of anything thing more egregious to do. To young people. So I'm glad that uh, the vice president is going to Florida to underline this.
26: Well, and, and talking about both sidesism, uh, Ralph, you, you actually have also the requirement for teachers to engage in both sidesism. To talk about, like, for instance, uh, the, the infamous 1920 uh, massacre in Florida that, that actually was described by many as, as one of the, the, the most single bloody days. In American history, for this type of massacre against black people, uh, the guidelines sugge- say that teachers must also teach acts of violence in in massacres like this against black people, where black people, what acts of violence black people may have committed uh, in in that massacre. Again, a massacre against black people in Florida because a black man tried to vote. This would be akin to saying. If you're in Warsaw, you must teach uh, not only how the Nazis massacred the Jews, but if if the Jews did anything in the Warsaw Ghetto uprising to try to defend themselves against the Nazi massacre, you must teach those acts of violence against Nazi stormtroopers as well. It's just grotesque. it is so grotesque and obscene, Rev. Uh, I mean, it's it's. It's just unthinkable that this is happening in 2023, but this is Ron DeSantis' Florida and could be Ron DeSantis' America.
17: It is absolutely Ron DeSantis' Florida. And when we look at that, he is the most, uh, the second most uh, uh, popular candidate, or, uh, according to the polls, even though he's a distant from uh, uh, Trump. So your choice is Trump or DeSantis, who's brought about this in this country, at this time, those of us that want to rise above that have to really push back, like the vice president's visit, and stand together. I, I mean, you and I came from different political perspectives, but stand together. That's why Martin Luther King, the third, and I've invited you to be our guest in Washington for the March on Washington, commemorating on august twenty sixth to show that there are people that will stand together and tell the truth about what happened in the country so we can heal you can't bring the country together unless we're honest about what happened yes tell both sides but tell both sides in a real way don't try to equate uh... things that are not uh... equal and not fair You you know, Joe, one of the things that I I was saying to someone last night when when I uh, got the call, the vice president was going. It's very personal to many of us. In 2007, a New York paper, the New York Daily News, did a a whole uh, tracing of my background. found out that my family was owned by a family in Edgefield, South Carolina, Alexander Sharpton. That's who my great-grandfather was owned by and I went down and visited H. field, I even saw the plantation my great grandfather worked at it never occurred to me till that day every time I write my name or hear my name I am saying the name of the owners of my great grandfather that's not our name we don't know our name that's the property name of us That's how personal it is. So to think that my grandson or or whomever in my family in Florida could learn this benefited us, that we didn't even know our names, we didn't know our history, and was uh, was made to work with no wages and act like there was some benefit to that, it's a personal slap in the face of all Americans, and we all ought to resist it and stand together like you and I have, Joe.
30: Did you hear about the new real estate investing opportunity of 2023 where you don't
24: even have to own your own property? And no, I'm not talking about Airbnb. Let me show you how it works. See this house with a tax lien in Florida? This is one of hundreds that come on the market every day. Local counties are looking for investors to take these liens off their hands. You can start investing in these properties for only a couple hundred dollars or you can go as well.
0: (laughs) No ads, man. Good morning, child.
20: But what if I told you being tired was a good thing when you're a sleeping giant? And needing a moment to breathe is necessary
8: when you breathe life into this country. 2024
25: election in an effort to flip the house back to a democratic majority. Joining us now Rolling the Action Fund Executive Director Nakara Campbell-Wallace. She's the former political director for the Congressional Black Caucus PAC, and it's good to have you. We saw the ad. Talk more, if you could, about what the strategy is to make that a reality.
23: Well, thank you so much for having me here today. And so, Rolling Sea Action Fund is my love letter to Black voters. It is really making sure that we understand that Black voters are the cornerstone of the Democratic Party, but also champions of American democracy. And when Black voters turn out, you know, democracy wins. And so, for everyone who's watching us back home, please check us out on RollingSea.org. So, on the card that that the. So, you know that's a great ad, and then
3: it's very moving and inspirational. It's sort of different for political ads. It's <laughs> yes. taking a turn to take a different approach. There's a lot of Democrats that are concerned about drop off in uh, support for Biden among Black voters, drop off in support for Republicans generally, numbers for Trump and uh, inching up in the African American community. Talk about what you think that's uh, you know why that's happening and what you all are going to try to do to combat that in 24.
23: For sure. You know, black voters, when you talk to them frequently, often, and early, they turn out in droves, we turn out 80 to 90. Black women, black women (laughs) women are the best voters in America, right? Super consistent voters in America, either party, yeah. Yes, and so we're gonna make sure that we're talking to them early, frequently, with this always-on engagement strategy, targeting districts that have about 8% or more black voting age population, because we know that when, when when black America wins, America wins.
29: Is there any um, geographical focus to this effort? Uh, you know, are you, are you focusing on the, on the big metros, um, Philadelphia, Atlanta? Where's the focus?
23: Where black people are, we're talking to them. So that means rural voters, that means urban voters. We know that black people are not a monolith, and so I'm a product of that. My family's from Texas, my mom's from Baltimore, you know, my family's from everywhere. So we're going to make sure we're talking to black people in the Midwest, the South, the North, everywhere.
16: Nick Carr, good morning. It's great to have you on the show. I'm curious, I know just like every other voter in the country, it's the economy for black voters and how that's going and things do seem to be getting better. Inflation, we got a, a good number last week for the country that's down. But what else beyond the economy do you feel like black voters are focused on as they head into the, into the voting booth next year?
23: I think that we're focused on voting rights. We're focused on this extreme Supreme Court that has now attacked affirmative action. They have attacked everything about us. And so now we know we have to fight like hell to make sure that we protect American democracy.
25: All right. Rolling Sea Action Fund Executive Director Nakara Campbell-Wallace, thank you very much for being on this morning. We'll be following every step of the way. All right, we have a pretty significant update in the classified documents trial against former President Donald Trump. Judge Aileen Cannon just filed the document announcing a date for the trial for the Marilaco documents case, and that date is that the case will begin May 20th, 2024 in Fort Peace, Florida. There are also numerous court dates prior to trial listed for various motions, so a lot will be happening before May 20th, 2024. Um, There was a lot of discussion about what the date should be or could be, and both sides wanted something completely different, Joe. Well,
26: they did. I mean, Judge Cannon, of course, uh, remember, uh, Judge Cannon had been roundly uh, Mm -hmm. uh, criticized and rebuked by the conservative 11th circuits for some past decisions, so there had been some skepticism of, of her ability to handle this case uh, in a fair and impartial way um, but i will tell you i think most attorneys i spoke with thought that this, the, the feds uh date that they suggested the end of december uh was probably uh, too soon uh, because of how complex the case was and thought that Donald Trump's suggestion, his attorney's suggestion that it be held after the election in 2025, also unrealistic. I'm going to say, I, again, I, I have, I, I'm an attorney, but I have no grasp of just how complex a case like this could be. When you look at the mountains of evidence that the federal government has against Donald Trump. You look at the mountain and the files, my God. The files, you look at the fact that we're talking about classified documents. It's an extraordinarily complicated case. I was always skeptical about the December timeline. I must say May 20th, 2024, um, it seems very reasonable. It seems like a reasonable date. It seems like it's far enough in the future, uh, to be fair uh, to the after defendant. After the primary. President Trump, uh, yeah, politically, it be after the primary. But if you're a judge, you're not looking at that. And I, I, I think this date uh, makes an awful lot of sense. So we will see as, uh, as we move forward. But obviously, there's gonna be a lot of coverage between now and then. Uh, a lot of dates, uh, obviously, court dates, too.
25: So case in point right here, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa released a redacted FBI memo yesterday that some Republicans say proves Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, took bribes. Many of these same Republicans also,
26: I'm sure, believe in Jewish space lately. It involves
25: allegations made by a confidential informant in 2020 about Hunter's alleged business dealings when he served on the board of Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Those claims have never been verified, and even some top Republicans have acknowledged they cannot confirm whether the information is true. Congressman Jimmy Raskin of Maryland, the top Democrat on the House Oversight Panel yesterday, picked apart the claims in a lengthy statement, arguing in part, quote, this FBI document records the unverified, secondhand, years old allegations relayed by a confidential source who stated he could not provide the veracity of these allegations. Raskin also highlights how the source of the information was at the center of a pressure campaign by Rudy Giuliani in 2019 and 2020 on behalf of then President Trump. And when interviewed, the source directly denied these allegations.
26: I mean, this is this is still dossier squared for Republicans.
25: But none of that likely matters to Senator Grassley, who last month admitted, he said the quiet part out loud. He didn't care if the allegations were true or not. Take a listen.
26: We aren't interested in uh, whether or not the accusations against Vice President Biden are accurate or not.
7: We're in, responsible for making sure the FBI does its job. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See this image? This
19: is the name and ticker symbol of my number one AI stock to buy right now. This company has been completely missed by the mainstream media.
26: And it's trading for one. Gene, and, and what? for that, it was to, again, to, to, to lie about a document, Right, at the time they were talking about, I guess, impeaching Ray or or whatever. They, 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 Ray talked to him and again it's it's one thing after another after another durham supposedly is going to show this conspiracy between the fbi and hillary clinton he makes a fool of himself you have comer time and time again like talking about informants who end up being like chinese agents uh are or foreign uh, uh, i don't know exactly what they are uh but but they're they're doing the business of the chinese communist party illegally they're funneling iranian oil uh, smuggling it illegally to the communist chinese they're illegal arms dealers you go down the list and 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 then you've got these other people who are supposedly these irs informants who basically get up there and go yeah it was actually donald trump that when i was complaining it was donald trump who was president then and it was trump's uh, irs and trump's justice yeah. department in 2018 and yeah and 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 here we have a document that again that's, that's complete nonsense and you have Chuck Grassley going. I don't care whether he's guilty or not. We're just we're just yeah. trying to create
29: chaos. Right. The, the The aim of all this is not to connect the dots. It's just to throw out a whole bunch of dots uh, that don't connect. Just to throw. Just to try to create this atmosphere around President Biden that he must have done something. Biden that he must have done something wrong. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the IRS agents because, because again, this happened while Donald Trump was president, and so if 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 there were interference in the investigation of, of Hunter Biden, which according to the 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 counsel the federal prosecutor who was leading the investigation. There was no interference. He was able to bring whatever charges uh, he wanted to bring. Uh, it was totally his decision. But if if it was being interfered with, it was being interfered with by Donald Trump's Justice Department. It's just insane. Uh, but again, the dots don't connect. They aren't Supposed to, as Senator Grassley revealed, they're just supposed to sort of muddy up uh, President Biden and waters. create this this impression that somehow uh, he's done something wrong and he's
2: corrupt. first uh, press.
0: Okay, I said it's a smear campaign. Evermore misconduct and treasonous activity to sabotage and undermine our country. I propose we suspend the Republican Party
29: um, because the comparison is is inevitably drawn with with Donald Trump, who actually is Trump, who actually is corrupt, and and, uh, and and so they have to try to drag Biden down to that level.
25: So Dem- Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. testified yesterday before the House Republican-led so-called Weaponization Committee on well,
26: the it's issue. It's been a bust, it's, too. Just- it's incredible.
25: On the issue of censorship, the hearing was often very contentious between Kennedy and the Democrats on the committee, who called him a menace to society, who did not deserve the platform Republicans gave him. Kennedy has a long history of making controversial comments most recently coming under fire from members of his own family for pushing anti-Semitic tropes about COVID. Democratic Congressman Jerry Connolly of Virginia gave an especially passionate rebuke of how the Republicans were using Kennedy for cynical political purposes.
15: I've been in this Congress 15 years. I never thought we'd descend to this level of Orwellian dystopia. <laughs> Suddenly the tools of the trade are not to get at the truth, <laughs> but to distract, distort, deflect, Defame. and dissemble,
2: Distract, distort. To disagree... and the fame along with Trump Distract,
0: divert, confuse, and distract, deflect, dis, um, deflect, dis, dis, I said, distract, deflect, destroy, dissemble, and defame. Lock them all up. I'm the only presidential candidate calling for 160 plus Republican traitors to be immediately charged and removed from office and disqualified, along with Trump, who carried out an insurrection. Remember? Christopher Press, Trump
15: in prison. It's censorship. To try to correct the facts. Is to infringe on my right of free speech mm. And no matter what you may think mr kennedy and i revere your name you're not here to propound your case for censorship you are here for cynical reasons to be used politically by that side of the aisle
2: No poo clown. No poo
0: poo clown. What is a toilet? I toilet show. Toilet icon. (laughs) (laughs) Toilet plunger. Toilet plunger. Christopher (laughs) Press. Dead toilet and the flinger next to each other. So it's almost like a song. You're the crickets. There you go. On Arizona, for some
18: California press.
15: ...reasons to be used politically by that side of the aisle to embarrass the current president of the United States, and you're an enabler in that effort today. And it brings shame on a storied name that I revere.
13: Have you considered going solar in Arizona, yeah, but are afraid of the huge price tag solar. attached? Yeah, Most people don't know this, but almost 100%...
15: Sounds like Perjury Trader Green to me. And it brings shame on a storied name that I revere. Oof. You know,
26: um, Donnie, I, um, I've i known Bobby uh, for a long time. I like him. Mm. I've always liked him. What's he, going on though? always been a good guy uh, to me, and... Mm. Um, and um a smart guy. Maybe he's I just remember susceptible. maybe twenty years ago hearing him give an impassioned speech on the environment. And it was a really, really compelling speech. You get gifted gifted uh, gifted orator uh
0: I would make him my environment. And I just I you though. can
26: tell I, I'm sure just like you, you know, family members are at a loss about the anti Semitic tropes
2: that he's throwing out there, at a loss Until he fired Bannon and all the Trump staffers. I would be down for appointing him to the EPA. R.F.K.
0: Jr.
26: Uh, one conspiracy theory after another. We, we, we're not going to give their names, but Meek and I, were just, we're having a conversation with people who have been friends with the Kennedys for a very long time. And, you know, they love Bobby Jr. They love him. They love the whole family. And they say he's a very compelling guy, very gifted guy. He can pull you in. And they too were at a total loss about this guy being overtaken by one conspiracy theory after another after another after another. And I think for the family members who have sat by quietly all this time, I think the anti-Semitic trope about COVID being targeted um genetically, I think that was the final straw. And of course. What Bobby always does is he throws something out there, and then, like Trump, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but like Trump, when he gets called out on it by the press, he goes, oh, no, 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 I never said that. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you look at the tape, and you see he actually said that. And it's always framed in a way where he can pull back if it blows up in his face, but what's the danger? What's the problem? The problem is he has set that anti-Semitic trope and that virus out online and for all the conspiracy theorists that are following him, that takes root and it grows. And it's Jews who pay for that. It's Jews that pay for that maybe by being shouted at and taunted on the streets. Maybe it's by having a rock thrown at the synagogue. Maybe it's by people going in and shooting up synagogues. I'm talking about just anti-Semitism in general, not about this specific anti-Semitic trope. I'm just saying though, it is so reckless and irresponsible. And for people who've known Bobby for a long time, uh, much better than me, in fact, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking.
28: You know, You said the quiet part out loud, the parallels between Trump and Bobby Kennedy Jr. are kind of stunning. They're both very, very charismatic media figures that understand the media. As you said, they'll throw these grenades out and let them explode and then walk away and go, look, I didn't do anything. And he's taking the greatest family brand name in U.S. history, Kennedy and dumping all over it. And it's just, you know, the Kennedys have had a lot of tragedies over the years, but I can't think of any greater blemish than what he's doing out there. And I think he's not well. I I mean, I think there's something, you know, you can explain all you want, but for him to say, throw out the controversy he throws on this latest anti-Semitic trope, I think he's fallen. He can't get up. And I think there's something very wrong with Bobby Kennedy Jr. And going back to uh, one of the earlier segments in the show, God forbid this lunatic decides to run as a third party and the damage that that would do. This is a very dangerous guy with a very storied name that is casting a dark shadow over it.
16: Molly, it's been interesting to see, too, how some, I guess, libertarians or conservatives who are done with Donald Trump have sort of put their arms around Bobby Kennedy Jr. as a guy, by their perception, who, like Trump, is railing against the establishment, questioning uh received knowledge and conventional wisdom and on and on and on. I mean, he's doing much worse than that. And by the way, this isn't new. The vaccine stuff he's been doing for, for a generation and, and hurt a lot of people with that, his conspiracy theories about vaccines. But it's been interesting how House Republicans have sort of, I don't know, not only if they fully embraced him, but they like a lot of what he's saying.
3: Well, they platformed him at this hearing and the reason that yeah. a lot of conservatives like him is not because they want him to be president this is a very craven ploy remember they want to have a third party not because a third party will win. you know Trump may never win the popular vote he hasn't ever right he just needs to win the electoral college and so you get a Bobby Kennedy Jr. on the ticket and you get those votes and you could see another Trump presidency and so I think Ultimately, this is really a play to hurt Biden. They know the economy is good. They know that Biden is, you know, d- does pretty well and is pretty electable and tends to overperform. And so this is sort of a desperate ploy to hurt Biden.
26: Yeah. And and, and, and by the way, the Kennedy family has gone to uh, the Bidens and let them know they do not support his candidacy. And they understand that it is being cynically used by, by Republicans, by Donald
12: Trump, by Steve Bannon, by Donald Stone, by all of these people uh,
26: to, to do nothing but actually help anti-democratic forces in America. It's uh,
0: really unfortunate. Oh, come on. What about the healthy spirit
2: of competition? <laughs> competition it's supposed to be healthy Hi there, welcome back, and uh,
0: we were listening to Morning Joe, and uh, here's the uh, breaking news, handwritten letter. Men's big
21: and tall shirts on sale. Only $2.63 you can get one. Extended sizes are from extra large no to five extra large. Thanks for choosing
3: in. from Washington. I'm Jessica Dean in for Jim Acosta and you're in the CNN newsroom. And we begin this hour with a shocking new development in the Georgia investigation into election interference by Donald Trump and his allies. Sources telling CNN Fulton County investigators now have emails. Text messages that directly connect members of trump's legal team to the breach of a voting system in rural coffee county See new development coming as district attorney fanny willis prepares to present the case to a grand jury she's expected to seek an indictment of more than a dozen people as early as tuesday and that means this week a former u.s president could be facing criminal charges in four us jurisdictions we are covering all the latest developments in this from the legal and investigative angles to this week's grand jury proceedings and we begin with and Zachary Cohen who helped break this exclusive reporting we just discussed and Zach start first with t- walking us through how significant this is uh, this evidence linking members of Trump's legal team to the
21: breach of a voting system yeah, Jessica, these text messages really add to a growing body of evidence that links directly Trump's lawyers and legal team to the breach of a voting system in Coffee County. Now, Coffee County is about 200 miles south of where we are right here in Fulton County, Georgia, where behind us, you know, court proceedings will play out next week. But this breach has become a central part, one of the central parts of Fawny Willis's criminal investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. And these text messages really lay out for us how Trump's attorneys helped coordinate and were directly involved in in a plan to try to recruit a local election official in Coffey County to get them to to get that official to give them access to the voting systems there and they ultimately did get access to those voting systems unauthorized access but that breach does date back the planning for that does date back almost a week before these operatives gained access to the uh, voting systems in County on January 7, 2021 You know, Rudy Giuliani, the Trump's former personal attorney, is also former attorney Sidney Powell. These texts show that they were integral in both funding and um, in their awareness of the planning process itself. So these texts do add another element and and really do help prosecutors establish that link between Trump's close attorneys and what happened in Coffee County on January 7, 2021.
3: And Zach, you're there in Atlanta. Take us through what the next few days of this grand jury proceeding is going to look like.
21: Yeah, Jessica, we're expecting early next week for um, you know the, 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 district, the district attorney, Fawny Willis, to begin presenting her case to the grand jury here. And we could see indictments as soon as Tuesday. We know there's multiple witnesses that have been called to appear before the grand jury on Tuesday. Um, and you know that is a signal that indictments could be coming and could be coming soon. We're gonna have to wait and see how it all plays out if the grand jury needs more time to, to review all the evidence in the case. But the, the calling of the witnesses and the schedule for them to appear on Tuesday is the clearest indication that indictments could could be coming, they could be coming soon.
3: All right, Zachary cohen Forrest, live in Atlanta. Thanks so much for that reporting, and I want to continue the conversation now. Here in the studio, we have CNN uh, Legal Analyst Norm Eisen. He's a former White House Ethics Czar and served as counsel to the House Democrats during the first impeachment of then-President Trump. Norm, it's always great to have you here, especially when we're getting news like this, which does seem so significant. Zach walked us through what it means to the broader story, how it fits into the timeline and narrative. Walk us through the legal implications here now that we know they have these text messages and emails.
31: Well, uh, Fannie Willis is looking at three different areas of possible illegality, Jessica. The first is the famous fake electoral certificates. The second is pressure on Georgia election officials. That's the famous call. Just find 11,780 votes to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. And the third is the uh, alleged uh, intrusion on... On these uh, computer systems in Coffee County, Georgia, and the CNN story is very important because it connects the dots. We now have evidence that go from Coffee County to Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and as CNN reports right into the Oval Office because this was discussed on December 18th in one of the very notorious meetings in the Oval Office whether it's possible to get access to these Georgia voting systems and others around the country. It matters of course because one of the most serious crimes that we have in the 21st century is unauthorized access hacking of computer systems. So we'll see what Fonnie Willis does, but think of her investigation as a three-legged stool, and our new reporting has revealed details indicating just how long, how uh, strong that third leg of the stool is. Yeah, showing
3: kind of the through line through all of it, and we've talked uh, over the weekend since we got the information yesterday that Jeff Duncan would be testifying, that this would be kind of happening in in quick succession over the next couple of days. We've been talking about how Fonnie Willis is really looking at conspiracy charges. She's looking at recognition. Tearing charges, not just for Trump, but for so many of his allies, people you just named. And what has kind of struck me is that when you're doing that, when you're prosecuting that sort of case, you really need, everyone needs to be responsible for everybody else's moves. You have to tie the story in as you're talking about. So how will she do that? And does this sort of evidence, these emails, text messages, we have the phone call, the recording with Trump asking for those to find the extra votes. How does that
31: all play together? Um, the most powerful tool we have in a American law is all to do that, is also one of Fonnie Willis's go to's, and that is RICO, the racketeering. Uh, laws. There's a federal model, but the states have also adopted it. And Georgia has one of the most powerful in the country. A long list of federal crimes plus 40 Georgia state crimes can allow Fannie Willis to charge RICO. She's done it numerous times on high-profile cases in the past. And that's exactly what RICO does. It pulls together those three conspiracies we were talking about, including this hacking conspiracy, into one law. Large um, case that you can present to a jury where you say, hey, what was the point of those fake electoral certificates? What was the point of pressing Georgia officials to do the wrong thing? What was the point of the computer hacking? The same point. All of these people are working together in one, as we put it, enterprise in order for Donald Trump to allegedly hang on to his office when we know he had lost the election. You can't do that in a American law. Right, I and mean,
3: it is so layered, and those cases are so complicated. But it is, it is important to note she she has tried these kinds of cases before. This is in her wheelhouse, uh, so it's not something new. She's done a lot of these. What do you expect over the next couple of days? Because we know the grand jury will meet tomorrow, Monday, and then it would take a couple of days. Do you think an indictment could come as early as Tuesday? How do you expect the next 48 hours to play out?
31: Um, I expect that we will see some grand jury activity uh, Monday. This is a Monday-Tuesday grand jury uh, in Fulton County. We know that the DA warmed them up, likely, with another RICO case. That one of the grand juries, Monday-Tuesday grand jury, brought a RICO case last week. So you don't want the first RICO case you give to a grand jury to involve the former president. Um, I think. This that we know that two uh, witnesses uh, are are confirmed, a journalist as well as uh, former Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan for Tuesday. Prosecutors often, she could just put an investigator on the stand, she had a special grand jury that sat and produced a report, she could just give the grand jury that report, but prosecutors like to warm up a grand jury with live witnesses. So we could very well see an indictment come out of that grand jury as soon as Tuesday. I've been a criminal defense lawyer for over three decades criminal law is full of surprises, no guarantees, but Mm -hmm. right now I'd say Tuesday is probably our most likely landing point Mm -hmm. for an indictment. Kind of keep our eye on that. And quickly before I let you go, one
3: more thing that I think is so different, because remember this will be the fourth indictment, uh, if it does come down. From the federal case, especially against the former president, in Georgia this could be televised,
31: right? Yes, yes. Georgia is not like the federal courts. The federal courts didn't experiment with televising trials, the judges didn't like it. Uh, Georgia believes in stronger transparency. Personally, I think that's a good thing. That is one of the reasons that this Fannie Willis case is so important. The American people can watch and see and learn just how serious the alleged attempt on our democracy was.
3: Alright, a lot to unpack there, but Norm Eisen, you always do such a great job. Great to see you. Thanks so Thanks, much. Yes. We appreciate it. And let's go now to back to Atlanta, where security preparations are underway ahead of those possible new charges against the former president. Sands Isabel Rosales is live outside the Fulton County Courthouse. And, Isabel, we know that the DA has had threats against her, uh, that there are security concerns. How are officials there preparing for this week? Jessica, regardless of the
24: decision from the grand jury, it appears that Fulton County is ready. And you can see right behind me here, a uh, heavier than normal police presence, and in fact, I took a lap around the courthouse and there are officers, law enforcement officers staked out at every corner of the building, and also these uh, orange and blue and, and white barricades that are surrounding the building. They're also planning to control this area by closing down the street as we head into Monday and Tuesday as well. And it's not just the building but also safeguarding the very visible face in front of this investigation and that is DA Fonnie Willis. She has, according to a source with knowledge uh, familiar with with the movements of uh, Atlanta law enforcement officers, Fonnie Willis has received additional security protection near her home and she has as...
1: You
17: can't play baseball. You're going to want up with an injury that you'll never get
1: over. But I swing
28: that bad. I ain't crippled no more.
29: See a major league trials You're going to paralyze him. So you might be better,
7: but you are not here
24: And she has, as Jessica, as you, as you mentioned, recently warned officials about staying vigilant about potential security threats. And an email obtained by CNN.
0: The headline is, Georgia threatens Security Ahead of Titan Security Ahead of Possible Trump and Biden. She spoke
24: about messages, racist possible. and messages that she's received, and also similar vile. Done deal. Russia. Nah. The man in charge of security around uh, the local area, that is the Sheriff of Fulton County, Patrick Labonte, he says that his team is prepared, not only that, but he's been taking notes at other cities where Trump has been indicted and brings, he's brought back those uh, good uh, security details back home here to Atlanta, listen.
7: We understand that the microscope and everyone's watching the planter and that it also gave us an opportunity to go to D.C., gave us the opportunity to partner with New York and partner with Miami, and understand just collectively what something of this magnitude involves. So I've to stay focused, and, and i said this before we read it. Trump has
24: not kept silent about Fulton County Willis. He's attacked Willis on Truth Social and uh, during campaign events. Willis has previously said that this, what Trump has said, his rhetoric, has
3: increased security concerns. Mm-hmm. Jessica. Isabel, well, it is unbelievable that they have had three opportunities when a former president has been indicted to prepare for what could potentially be a fourth indictment. Isabel well Rosales for us in Atlanta. Thanks so much for that
1: update.
3: The 2024 presidential race for the Republican nomination is ramping up. Voters in Iowa lining up to get a close-up of Donald Trump's at the Fair yesterday. And a lot of those voters seemingly unfazed by a possible first indictment looming over the current GOP front-runner. And I want to bring in our political panel now. We've got CNN political commentator and Democratic strategist, Mario Cardona. And Doug High, Republican strategist and former RNC communications director. It is great to see both of you. Always a good day to have both of you in the studio. Um, Let's start first with this Fulton County investigation and take everybody back to the beginning of this show which is what we're expecting to get underway on, on Monday with this potential fourth uh, indictment. Uh, Maria, sources are telling us that investigators now have these emails, these mm-hmm. text messages that are connecting Trump's allies mm-hmm. with the Coffee County uh, voting system breach. Mm-hmm. How bad do you think this is for the Trump team? So there's legally yeah, and there's politically. Totally right. Since we're in the politics panel, yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about the, the political side. So politically, for the Republican primary, I think it helps him because as we have seen, the more that he gets dinged on the legal side, with another indictment, with other proof that he knew that he had lost the election, his supporters do one thing: rally stronger around him. But where I do think it's going to hurt him politically is in if he does make it through to become the nominee, which right now it looks like he will, but you never know. Right, right? We'll have to have that caveat. And Doug, I'm sure we'll have more to say about that. Um, But if he does make it to the general election, I think all of this is kryptonite for him in the general election because you are not going to have... Uh, Independent voters, suburban women, everyone who lost, he lost in the 2020 election, now come and say, oh, he got a fourth indictment. You know what? Now I think I'll support him. Mm. No. Now, that's not to say, and I always say this, this is not going to be an easy election for Democrats, no matter who the nominee is, even if it is Donald Trump. We live in an incredibly divided country and we have to do everything we can to mobilize our voters to make sure that they know the difference between Donald Trump or frankly any Republican who comes out as a nominee and Joe Biden for his next four years, focusing and touting his accomplishments and what he has been doing every single day to the Yeah. And I do think that's such an important point about Democrats. It's, it's not it's not a same thing for them by any means exactly. if it's Trump, uh, that that is gonna be a tight race no matter what. Doug, though, I, I want to ask if you agree with kind of Maria's assessment about Trump politically. And, and I, I do think you have to kind of draw it to the primary and then to a general election. But as a Republican, I know there's, listen, Republican voters I'm talking to in Iowa, a lot of them do have Trump fatigue, but they also
7: want somebody that can win and they're yeah. trying
3: to assess who that might be.
7: Yeah, I think we see a few things. We see an immediate term, which is that rallying of support that Maria mentioned. We see the short term, which is a boost in his poll numbers and a, and a solidifying intent and I think part of that is all of this bizarrely reinforces Donald Trump's core cool message: the system's rigged. That's that's what he said on day one. That's what he's continued to say. And this sort of becomes evidence of that. And as you have this message being reinforced by what he, what's happening to him, you also also bizarrely have it reinforced by his Republican opponents, who by and large aren't critical of him. So if you get indicted and the people running against you in politics you usually use that as something to attack We
24: don't Donald
7: Trump is right, but that then gets to the long term. And this is where we'll see the debate whether Trump is there or not. what Republicans say if there's another indictment. And about these, will they really use this as an opportunity to do the normal things you do in politics, which is to criticize somebody that you're running against who's under water like
3: this. Right. And, and let's, stay, let's stay with the Republicans for one second. And, and Doug, I'll, 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 we'll go back to you. Because there was a lot of talks. So Trump was there for, I think, about on the ground for Iowa for, for a couple hours yesterday. Yeah. DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Ramaswamy, all the, these other candidates were there for many hours, shaking hands, doing kind of a more traditional what we would traditionally say with the is there. Um do you think that uh, DeSantis specifically was able to kind of maximize that face-to-face time. You know, what is his family. He's making this kind of generational, you know, argument, you know, comparing himself to Trump and Biden. He's got this young family. He's got his yeah. kids. Do you think he was able to move the needle a little bit, even though Trump comes in, sucks oxygen no. for a while, and then leaves? I, I
7: don't think we know yet, but DeSantis was very smart to be there all day, every day, and to meet as many people one-on-one as he can. One, Iowa voters like that to Donald Trump doesn't have to do that. He's not a candidate's celebrity. So whatever he does, people are gonna see his name on the plane. I've been in the Des Moines airport and saw the the airplane pull up, T-U-T-R-U, I can't spell today, and they're like, oh, he's here. And I wasn't going to that event. And so Trump brings that in a way that nobody else can. So you have to work with relentlessly. I'd say the Iowa State Fair is two weeks long. Some of these candidates should go back in week two when not all the national voters are there per se, but all of
3: those voters are. Right, and that's what we have to do, right? Obviously, we're covering it from, you know, the big picture, but, but this is local. And so, Maria, we did see to that end, we saw the plane flying. There was a lot of talk mm-hmm. about the plane that was flying with a banner that said, Be Likeable, yeah. on," <laughs> Kind of this trolling that... Trump and his team are known for, but we pay, listen, the media pays attention to that sort of thing. Do you think that voters pay attention to that sort of thing? I think that that is the kind of thing that voters perhaps not in Iowa will pay more attention to it than the voters in Iowa because I agree with that. The voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, they like to see these candidates up front and personal. They pride themselves in being the ones that they're going to their houses, they're going to the coffee clubs they're going to the diners, they're going to the state fairs, Mm -hmm. and so I don't think that matters. But I do think what matters is that while the national polls do have Trump right now, again, I focus on right now because you never know, a day is a lifetime in politics, as the prohibited frontrunner, the polls in Iowa are a little bit closer, but not that much closer. Trump is still the prohibited frontrunner in Iowa, and I don't see anything that is focused on a momentum for any other candidate to be able to catch up to Donald Trump and frankly beat him. I think what the strategy is going to be for these other candidates is to focus and try to get as much out of a second place or a third place and then focus on that going into the next state. Mm-hmm. Because right now, again, the, I don't really see any other way because Donald Trump is still focused on the the. the the vice of politics, the, the, the politics of revenge, the politics of uh, resentment, which we know works for his base. And then when you have the whole conservative media now, who at the beginning, I think, were looking for a Donald Trump alternative, they are now focused on defending Donald Trump against all of his legal woes. That doesn't help any candidate except Donald Trump. Okay, so to that end, those candidates are all trying to find a way to, to break through. And Doug, we know that Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom have have gone through this thing agreeing to debate one another. Now, the details remain not sorted out, but that they would debate each other. Do you think this is a good idea? Well, this could end up
7: like Elon Musk and Mark <laughs> Zuckerberg, yes. and maybe it doesn't the happen. The cage oh.
2: that never was.
7: So, this, to me, highlights that what Tip, when Tipton said that all politics are local, that was true then. All politics are not local. No politics are local. What's an issue in Florida is a big deal in California. Mm-hmm. What's a big deal in California is an important issue in Florida, and so it's sort of not surprising now that we're seeing this as we see senators and and governors troll each other. What I'd say is, I think for Ron DeSantis, doing this could be advantageous for him, if he does well, because he can show to his base, look at what a fighter I am, and if they're tuning into Fox News and seeing somebody like, that's a good thing for him. If I'm the White House, and Gavin Newsom, who's very good on TV, gives a forceful hour pushing back on somebody that the left doesn't like, I wouldn't want somebody outshining my president. No, I would completely
23: I disagree, disagree
7: with that. But you think because
1: he's amazing. If I'm the more amazing
3: than Joe Biden. I do think <laughs> Gavin the, is amazing. The and volume. I think that he is a tremendous debater. And I think that he will, if he does well, and I think he will do well, and I think he'll beat Ron DeSantis, I think that he will be, he will be focused on talking to an audience on Fox News, talking about the president's accomplishments, talking about the huge contrast that would be another four years of Joe Biden with the you know massive job creation numbers, the tremendous accomplishments, the incredible legislation that is bringing tons of money to all of uh, local economies that lots of Republicans are trying to take credit for that voted against all of that legislation. And, and then you have Ron DeSantis, who, to me, this is a move of desperation because his campaign has done nothing but spiral downward from the moment that he launched it. He, When you're running for president, you don't wanna be on a stage with somebody who you don't think is your equal uh Gavin Newsom is a term-limited re-elected governor from California. He has nothing to lose. Ron DeSantis has a lot to lose here, which tells me that this is a move of desperation because mm-hmm. he knows his campaign is going down. Okay, well, I would like to talk more about that, but we're out of time. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's so much more there.
30: Uh, but Maria Cardona and Doug High, thanks. Thank you, thank you so Good much. To see you.
3: The official death toll in Hawaii is now 93. That number is sadly expected to rise, and that makes the Lahaina fire America's deadliest in more than a century. And with more than 2,000 structures either damaged or completely decimated, the state's governor now estimates the economic toll nearing $6 billion. This morning on CNN, Hawaii Senator Mazie Hirano counted what she saw when she toured the devastation. That recovery is going to take time. It is not going to be uh, overnight by
27: any means. It will take years. This is an entire town that has burned to the ground. Some
3: 11,000 residents live there. I think that uh, we are doing a lot in order to uh, provide the kind of support we need uh, to to be providing, but there will always be the, the call for more, and my hope and expectation is that all of that will come. Stan, Mike Valerio is on the ground, on Maui. Mike, tell us what you're hearing from residents as they
6: return to Lahaina. Well, Jessica, what we're witnessing are these profound moments of sorrow, and grief, and these moments are only just getting started. Now, to take you through, Jessica, what we have been seeing, what we've been doing throughout our day, this, behind us, this is the only checkpoint to get into the disaster zone, and before we came up on the air, we met a woman named Susan, and she is going home. Very emotional about that, but she wanted everybody watching, our viewers around the world, to know that Maui, her home, this island here, Jessica, is not just a vacation spot, but it is the soul and identity of thousands of people who live here. And in this vulnerable moment, she spoke quite movingly about the need for respect. Listen to what she told us.
18: When I drove through on Friday, I had no clue what I was going through. I got so, everything's gone. I worked at the Chard House in 1991. It was flat to the ground. There's houses that I used to live in in Lahaina that I don't even know where they were. And, you know, I lost friends in there, you know, they were
4: going back to get their animals, you know, and she died. So, I mean, you know, it's really sad
3: because people come over here, you know, I heard there was a snorkeling boat looking at Town,
4: Give them respect, you know, it's so bad. This is, it. you know, people died here. You know, people, I mean, it's not just a vacation, it's not just a place for vacation. We live here.
6: And this is what makes moments like those, Jessica, so profoundly sad. This beautiful setting that we have right here, looking at the Pacific Ocean back towards the mainland of the United States. This to give you just an idea of place, getting back to how people enter Lahaina, into the disaster zone. That's about a thousand feet above the sands of the ocean. This is two lanes. This is the only way into the disaster zone. It'll take you uh, about an hour to get in. And what's happening? Officers here, 12-hour shifts, they're Checking licenses to make sure that it's only Lahaina residents who are getting in, no tolls, no looters, and of course when you hear the press conferences and the details that human remains, as graphic as it is, are turning into dust upon the touch. This is such a sensitive area that they want to make sure that nobody accesses any place that has not been cleared because families on the other side of this checkpoint are depending on the first responders a few miles away for answers we we are just Is we, we are just getting started with the despair that we are witnessing so many parts of the island at all hours of the day, Jessica.
1: Mm, it is so, so deep, such deep despair there. Chúng ta móc hai
27: mũi đơn chục đầu. Sau đó móc mỗi chân một mũi đơn.
0: knitting. And that is... Oh, you're still there. I don't know. <sighs> and that is Rico. What else so we got? Former hearing. President Trump indicted in
31: 2020
0: There's election? A model, the 12, 12 days ago. Has one of the most the ABC country. News. days ago though Trista Let's go to ABC News and look at their live watching their live right now This is live news ABC News
1: No ads man
10: Like a good neighbor
0: Yeah, are you sir
2: shitting me?
12: And the it That's the thing.
0: What are they, they going to do, put them in prison for unconstitutional fucking <laughs> judgments? She put the fucking judge in jail. was it? Unconstitutional, like, a, um, search and seizure? Jim
27: Jordan
8: this week saying, a special counsel? Uh, yeah. you know, politics. They charged okay, him I, I to the, the other, the other stuff they never
1: charge other people Judge
8: hearing. uh, a protective Donald cannot
1: reveal confidential...
0: Like that he, he might have been, been so probably high. high when he filled out a gun license, an application. Give me a fucking break. So they took away his gun.
12: Isn't
0: that bad enough? Fucking Second Amendment gun
8: nuts.
20: Just make yourselves look
0: worse.
12: Like idiots. Corrupt idiots.
30: way
23: through this trial. Um, that is, an, that pretends as if this is like any other criminal defense trial going on in the country, and frankly, you know, as the prosecution's asking for an early January trial date that would put him sitting in a courtroom rather than in Iowa, you can make a political argument that that actually helps Donald Trump. But at the end of the day, all of this is going to be very unprecedented.
8: Do you think that's realistic? January 2nd is what they asked for.
6: <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. But what I'll say is, to me, the government in its application talked about the the interest the public interest in a speedy trial and the speedy trial does not only benefit a defendant it says that it benefits the public what is implied in that argument that they didn't state explicitly is uh, i think is what they mean if we don't have a speedy trial of donald trump in other words before the election there may never be accountability for donald trump there may never be justice because donald trump if he gets reelected, has various means including by way of self-pardon and by contro- <clears throat> controlling the justice department for him, and that Office of Legal Counsel opinion that says you can't prosecute a sitting president. If we don't get a trial, the government is implicitly saying before the
8: election, there may never be one. And if if he is convicted and then gets elected president and he appeals, what happens there? (laughs)
6: Look, he has a right to an appeal. Um, He can, as, as you imply by your question, Nothing about being charged, nothing about being convicted prevents him from running for president. Yeah. There will be an awkward moment when legal scholars like us will have to sit around and discuss, if he gets a jail sentence, how that works in terms
8: of being commander-in-chief. A resolute in the jail cell, perhaps. <laughs> it's unbelievable, the, the issues here. Sarah, Preet, thank you very much. Thanks, brother. Joining us now is Congressman Jamie Raskin, the top Democrat on the House Oversight Committee. So, uh, Congressman, thank you for being here. What, what, what do you make of this appointment of uh, the special counsel in honor Biden
32: case? You, right? of it's what my Republican colleagues have been demanding and asking for for months. And um, now they seem to disapprove of it for some reason. Um, but to me, it seems to formalize what has basically been the understanding from the beginning which is that uh david weiss the u.s attorney for delaware who had been nominated by donald trump um can make the decisions about what to charge where to charge and when to charge and with the collapse of the plea agreement that he had apparently worked out with Hunter Biden. Now he wants to be certain that he's got the authority to go bring charges wherever he wants. So from my perspective, it is the rule of law and the justice system working itself out the way that it does. And, you know, obviously it's bumpy and this side or that side um, doesn't necessarily prefer this course of events. But our job, I think, is uh, Political people is to allow the justice system to run its course. But as you point out,
8: Garland said he had exactly the authority. He could, he could change venue if he wanted to. It was his decision to, to whatever he was going to abide by whatever decisions uh, he made. So obviously the plea deal collapsed. But what? But what changed? Why? I mean, is there, any, is there any sense that there's new evidence here or the investigation is going to take a different turn? I mean, why, why would he demand this now or ask for this now?
32: I mean, I don't know what factors went into the calculus to a point. Um, obviously, there had to be some uh, public interest rationale for it. Um You know the material change in circumstance that i can discern is simply the collapse of the plea agreement there was no need to have a special counsel when it looked like they had agreed to the tax charges to failure to pay in two cases two misdemeanor charges and then a felony gun charge but when that agreement appeared to evaporate Um, then I suppose they wanted to formalize that the U.S. Attorney for Delaware had the authority that he needed in order to uh, prosecute the case. And certainly there was political pressure being brought on it, which I don't approve of myself. I think it's not our job as politicians to be second-guessing and trying to micromanage. Or prosecutors to be responding to political
8: pressure. Yeah. You're exactly right. Republicans demanded this. Uh, Chuck Grassley actually wanted Weiss to be the special counsel. Now they're, now they're crying foul because they say that Weiss is the wrong guy. This is what Kevin McCarthy said. If Weiss negotiated the sweetheart deal that couldn't get
32: approved, how can he be trusted as special counsel? Yeah. Well, I mean, you may as well just say, how could Kevin McCarthy, who told Donald Trump that it was his people who had stormed uh, his own office in the Capitol, uh, was at fault, but then turned around, uh, you know, A week or two later, to uh, curry favor again with Donald Trump and be trusted on any of this. So, um, you know, and this is why we have a justice system. Let's just let them do their job. So, I want to ask you more about the the, some of the stuff that the Republicans
8: have been highlighting regarding uh, Hunter Biden. Um, You know, we've seen we we saw Donald we saw uh joe biden at one point say uh that hunter biden had no dealings got no money from china we now see from hunter's own uh words that that's not true uh, did, 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 are, are, does any of this raise concerns for you you know the money from ukraine the money from china uh the money from russia did, did, does any of this well you know okay. look, whether or not it's criminal whether or not it warrants
32: special counsel status Are you concerned about this stuff? Here's what I'm concerned about. Um, During the Trump administration, we saw the development of a completely new public philosophy, which is that Government is not an instrument of the common good and the public interest. Government is an instrument for private self-enrichment, for the guy who gets in, for his family, for his private businesses. And that's a model that we're seeing all over the world. you don't of that. approve of that that's model, obviously. A, I do not. Denounce that model. That's but, what Putin is doing. Donald Trump, yeah. that, you know, that's what Urbana that is doing. That's what Marcos is doing. That's what LCC is doing. That's what President is doing. I mean, has been going on since the, the dawn of mankind. No? Um, well, but it's new for America that somebody would get in and basically just say... Uh, Uh, you know everything is corrupt and I'm just as corrupt as the next guy and I'm going to take money as Trump did from China from Saudi Arabia from the United Arab Emirates I mean look uh, you know his uh, son-in-law Jared Kushner uh, pocketed a cool $2 billion. From Saudi Arabia. From Saudi Arabia. And, and you know, corporation the Saudi, competed, the Saudi portfolio yeah. in the White House. But what about Hunter? So, but, uh, so I am concerned about it, and I'm concerned not just about public officials like Donald Trump and Jared Kushner do it, but even family members who water ski along for the ride. And I have been you know, begging my colleague, Chairman Comer, for us to do a serious analysis of what the laws should be about money-making. And you by, would take part in a serious Yes, of course we would, and, and we're going to release a report about all of the foreign government emoluments, millions of dollars we can document that Donald Trump pocketed at the hotels, at the golf courses, through business deals when he was president, and that his family got. But they've not laid a glove on Joe Biden. As president, they haven't been able to show any criminal corruption on his part. What they've got is Hunter Biden, and we all seem clear that this guy was addicted to drugs and did a lot of really unlawful and wrong things. And we have said, let the justice system run its course. They're not saying that about Donald Trump. Anytime Donald Trump actually gets indicted after a grand jury has already determined that there's probable cause to prosecutors, they attack the the prosecutors, they attack the the judges, they attack the system. For them, Donald Trump could never be
8: guilty of anything. All right, Jamie Raskin, thank you. We're out of time. The roundtable is coming up. And former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie joins us live. live next.
6: Whenever news breaks,
1: the crushing families here in Poland, here in Kentucky, no matter
30: been essentially an arm of the trump campaign both in 2020 and so far in 2024 uh you know when in doubt what since ron
8: susan if he let me ask you what i asked chris christie if he doesn't sign that pledge does ronna mcdaniel's really say no we're going to leave the front runner out of the debate
30: Well, since Ronna McDaniel and the RNC have been essentially an arm of the Trump campaign, both in 2020 and so far in 2024, uh, you know, when in doubt, when it comes to, you know, sort of this Republican Party, it's become so Trumpified. Imagine that they'll find a way around it. Chris Christie, by the way, you know, I believe in the past he said that he would uh, sign the pledge but then disregarded and doesn't plan to support Donald Trump. But, you know, again and again and again, Jonathan, this is the story. The story is the Republican Party finding a way to justify the unjustifiable. Uh, Donald Trump, you know, there's nothing that man doesn't love more than a camera, so our default (laughs) setting has got to be that he's going to find his way
27: in the middle,
8: right? That he might show up. But, you know, Christie, I thought was interesting, Rachel, saying that you know, he thought he made a mistake and the others made a mistake by not taking Trump on in 2016 early. Uh, Actually, Christie waited another four or five years to do so, but... um, i mean what what is your sense are 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 they finally gonna 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 take him on or is this is gonna,
14: like is he gonna actually show up i mean
8: i mean you're seeing pence I and mean, you made a very interesting point pence is going nowhere in the polls fundraisings in trouble barely made the debate stage is he campaigning for something else
14: Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to watch Pence because the vice president, you know, after January 6th for several months, um, you know, after Trump left office, he didn't want to talk about what happened that day. And, you know, at the fair, we very much saw Pence lean in on talking about Donald Trump and how he was wrong about the 2020 election and how he didn't have authority to just throw out, you know, electoral college votes. I mean, I watched as a number of people came up and shook his hand, thanked him for doing that. He also got heckled for doing that. But he he brought it up unprompted and he was very much taking shots at trump on this and sort of the the observation my colleague and i had at political was that you know this doesn't really help him with gop voters so is he running for something else is he running for legacy and we asked him about that he said you know i'm running to win but you gotta wonder because you know it certainly would have helped him in the polls
4: you know donald trump took on the republican establishment in 2016 and i don't think the establishment and maybe you know better since you understand the Republican establishment, they haven't been able to really get their sea legs back. I don't know if the Republican Party will ever be a quote-unquote a mainstream party again, unlike it was before when you understood conservatism, conservative values, but now you have a, an indicted uh, defendant out on bail who is leading the party, who is basically uh, running on a platform of retribution. And that is going to define not just the presidential race, but I think all of the down-ballot races as well. I mean, explicitly running on retribution. You know, to get back to the Pence point, I understand everybody thinks it is, you know, so many Republicans either think that Trump won in 2020, or think it's rude to point out that he didn't win in 2020. But I do think that the other candidates have to make that case if they're serious about winning, because what is your argument left? If Trump actually won in 2020, counterfactually, you know, and it oh, was then stolen like from him, yeah, yeah. of course that's the tough issue. And you can't say he's a loser. You can't say he's not electable because he, in that alternate reality, won two presidential races already. And, and, and meanwhile,
8: we have what happened in Ohio, uh, which should be a big warning yeah. sign uh, for, for, for Republicans, right? The, this, this uh, you know, Ohio big victory for the abortion rights. Uh, movement big defeat for Republicans. Well, I think in a Republican of, state That's right look
30: part of this is the incredible distortion field where we are we are all somehow moving in Donald Trump's alternate reality, right? We are talking about well it's a great benefit uh, to him according to you know big story in the New York Times today that he's been indicted criminally what three times and it looks like a fourth coming up this week because we're living in this warped, distortion field of a Republican primary in which Donald Trump is stampeding. It's a minority of a minority in the country. And so then you have something like these series of abortion rights referenda in the wake of the Roe versus Wade decision. And you realize that in this right. country, even in deep red states, uh, there are solid majorities that don't think you know, uh, Donald Trump should be the president then, who defeated him in the popular vote, in 2016 and in 2020 who support by actually record numbers abortion rights and yet we live in this world where it's somehow good that donald trump is a criminal defendant but somehow bad electorally for the president that his son is being investigated for something that as far as we know does not directly concern yeah, biden.
8: let me ask you about that donna so the hunter biden is elevating this to a special counsel the White
4: House cannot be
8: happy with Garland about this.
4: Well, first of all, let me just say this. I mean, no one is above the law, not even the son of a president of the United States. We need to stress that. You don't see Democrats out here attacking Merrick Garland. You don't see Democrats out here, you know, saying the Justice Department is weaponized against the Bidens. Hunter Biden has been under investigation for five years. I, I can tell you, that must that, that, that is painful. That's painful, not just to the president, but for people who love the Biden family, because he has been under attack. He signed the plea deal a couple of months ago and it fell apart. It collapsed. Once the judge took a look at the writing and said, I don't like all of these commas. Or, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't yeah. want to pretend to be one. But the fact is, he's now going to go through this arduous I mean, like you said, it's almost five years, and it's going to go on longer now. Five years, and there's no evidence uh, Lincoln-Hunter's business dealing to the president. The, The Republicans have tried everything in Congress. They've tried everything. But this is warmed over, leftovers, and I do believe at the end of the day... If they can get that deal back on the table, Hunter Biden will be able to finally live his life again.
8: So, so Republicans called for the special counsel now are denouncing the special counsel. I understand they say why well, he shouldn't be the guy. But is there, is there another reason behind this, Rachel? Yeah. Why the, Republicans are upset by the
14: Justice Department doing something they asked the Justice Department to do? Yeah, the hypocrisy on it is uh, it's Pete Washington right there. But yeah, I mean, it's publicly Republicans are saying they don't trust. The guy who was named specifically but yes of course but um there's other reasons i mean this really blows a hole in their top talking point when it comes to the white house and that is this idea of you know weaponization of the justice department you know saying that hunter biden's being treated differently than president trump now the biden family has more you know special counsels uh than trump does and this is a man who's been indicted what will be fourth the fourth time potentially this week um and the other reason is that Republicans really wanted to do a quick impeachment of Joe Biden. They were already sort of planning on it. This really uh, complicates that plan, because Why? usually, if you go back to when Democrats flipped the House in 2019, mm-hmm. uh, there was a belief, you know, they were going to teach Trump at some point. But the mantra on the Hill was like, OK, we don't touch this until the special counsel finishes its work. Exactly. Robert Mueller. Right. This could very much since it's just starting, could drag out into next year which means that any impeachment push they have uh is potentially going to stall moderate republicans are not going to want to vote for an impeachment inquiry if there's an ongoing special counsel investigation into this
8: what do you make of mccarthy raising the impeachment i mean was he ever
12: serious about it or
30: you know he has to be serious about it because he is being led around by the nose essentially by a faction of any five house republicans and i think you know. He is flirted again and again whether it's with shutting down the government or the impending you know crisis we may have with government uh spending in september same thing with impeachment uh he has a, a radical sort of fringe that's able to threaten essentially to depose him at any moment you know i can't even keep straight what the what the message is from kevin mccarthy at this moment i can't tell you is he, wait is he for impeachment right now or he's for <laughs> it maybe all right
8: on that mesh, we'll get you next week on this one <laughs> coming up another potential indictment lose for donald trump in georgia our erin is there at the courthouse and we speak with one of the likely key witnesses in that case next
12: what a burn so what a so much in our world right now we wanted to thank you for your trust and for making abc, ABC. news america's number one news and Breaking you, news is
10: for it still making live? abc news.
12: All our role
8: is in this situation. You you and Brad Raffensperger have both said many times that Trump lost the election in Georgia. Um, Let me ask you a question central to Jack
12: Smith's case. Do you think Trump knew he lost? Well, the reality is, and these are the the facts, I mean, 27,000 people just decided to skip the top of the the election. They didn't vote for Biden or Trump. About 35,000 people who requested absentee ballots in the primary election Republicans, did not vote at all in the general election because Donald Trump demonized voting by absentee. We were still in the COVID crisis, so there a lot of senior citizen voters who just didn't do it. And we keep on saying this over and over again. The One other thing that we've learned in, in public reporting on this is that he requested there be two independent uh audits and verifications by outside groups and both these paid six hundred thousand dollars and both of them said there was no fraud you lost the state we've been saying this over and over again we counted the ballots three times he lost this state and he continues to say he didn't lose it and it's just creating a lot of tension and a lot of chaos it's completely unnecessary i mean there's real issues in this country anybody talking about a 2020 election is going to lose the general election you're not gaining any voters by doing that you, you
8: testified before the special grand jury uh, that, that, that did so much of the investigation in this Fulton County case. Have you been asked to testify before the grand jury this week?
12: Well, you're right. I testified before a special grand jury. Got two interviews with the DA's officers. Um, my lawyers haven't said I can talk too much about this one way or the other. So, but if I am called, when I am called, I will go and do what I did before. I will tell the truth, answer honestly. That's all we can do in this situation.
8: The, the Trump campaign is, is out with an ad labeling the prosecutors, investigating them as the Fraud Squad. Uh, Willis is among those included in this ad that uh, it, 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 she said it contains derogatory and false information. Are you concerned that Trump's words, and it's not just that ad, it's obviously much more than just that. Do, are you concerned, once again, that, that we could see violence as a result of the former president's
12: words? Obviously, at this point, you never know what's going to happen. My, my biggest concern for years now, and I've said this elections conferences where you get professionals who run elections around this country, is somebody will be motivated by some of this kind of language at some point and do something stupid. It's not gonna be an organized thing. It's not gonna be a bunch of conspirators together. It's gonna be one probably mentally unstable individual who's gonna be radicalized through this process. And that's my biggest concern through this. But the underlying concern of this, and what I've seen, I've been involved in politics since the 80s, is, is this, and I get accused of both-siderism on this, one side does something then it justifies the other side doing something keep on scaling it up and scaling it up and scaling it up and trump's just the latest version of that it's along with the, the left now demonizing the supreme court and saying it's okay to harass supreme court justices we need more grown-ups we need people to say we got to knock this crap out and focus on the american people and what they need i know everybody's getting tired of it and it's difficult to say and it's unfortunately it is both sides and, it has been building, and it's like almost a reality tv show versus actual governance I think a lot yes, of people would agree with that sentiment,
8: but let me ask you one final question. Attitude. You've been crystal clear that Trump lost the election, there was no massive fraud. Why do so many Republican voters believe the
12: lies about that? I think what it comes down to oftentimes now, um, our parties are, it's tribal. Um, if my party believes this, then therefore I will believe it. And if, and if you don't believe it, then you're committing apostasy and, and you're, not, you're not following the rules. And both sides, again, both sides are doing this. I mean, the people in Georgia are very sick of this. I mean, between the the Russian hacking lie about Hillary winning and then Stacey Abrams claiming the election was stolen and then Donald Trump claiming the election was stolen, everybody who's talked about stolen elections has lost in this state. If you're going to be president of the United States, you have to win Georgia. You don't don't
8: complain about election fraud when you've won. Uh, Thank you very much, Gabriel (laughs) Sterling. We'll be right back.
12: So much at stake, so much on the line, more Americans turn here than any other newscast. ABC derogatory, I'm
0: looking at the ter- the definition of derogatory, and it says uh, a few derogatory comments. That means you say things that are unflattering, unkind, or demeaning. Derogatory means about the same as insulting. <clears throat> Derogatory language is meant to hurt and usually does. If you feel offended or insulted by someone says, the person probably said something derogatory. Huh. How do I get out of derogatory? Huh. Oh, okay. That's on the credit report. Mm, are nasty text messages abuse? So whilst sending threatening text messages to someone is considered harassment. Any other persistent and unwanted sending of text messages even if not harassment. Persistent and unwanted sending of text messages sometimes referred to as textual abuse form of dating violence that happens almost exclusively via text, involves excessive and sometimes... Hmm. I used to have a problem with that when I was dating, When I was in my youth. How do manipulators text? Is my message a form of abuse? Yeah. How many texts is it considered harassment? When I keep sending repeated text messages, it, it kind of is harassment. Keep in mind, though, that there are some exceptions. For instance, a friend asking if you're okay with sending repeated messages if, if you're not answering. Um, it's just like I uh, talk too much. I was just trying to have a conversation. No, people, um, you know, it's probably because I I wasn't uh, threatening or anything, but I was just trying to chase when I cared until I figured out. How to stop. Anyway, so how do you get someone to leave you alone legally? If they continue to harass you, have to ask them to stop and can then move on to more serious measures. One option is to get a restraining order. Restraining orders are court orders that prohibit someone from coming a certain distance or contacting you in any way.